Hello, everybody out there in podcast land. Thank you guys so much for tuning into the show. This episode is brought to you by G2 Paintball. G2 Paintball is back, and you guys should be incredibly excited. If you are in the area, in Arizona or anywhere on the West Coast, you want to make sure you do not miss this. Being in paintball shape is one of the most important things to being a top-level player, not just a top-level pro, but a top-level player in any division. If you are trying to win tournaments, you want to be in the best physical condition possible. Paintball is so physically demanding, it requires so much of your physical ability, and G2 Paintball is designed to help you maximize that potential both on and off the field. G2 Paintball played a huge role in our World Cup win. It pays dividends to get out there and do these exercises, do these kinds of training. It is so difficult. It is very tough, but it's going to put you in position to win events. And that's what we're here to do. I teach this at all of my clinics. I always preach the importance of physical fitness in paintball ability. You can get all the way to the finals, but if you are only at 60% and a less talented, less skilled, less experienced team is at 90 or 100%, they are likely going to beat you. Do not let your physical ability be the reason you guys are not winning events. Get signed up for G2. If you guys are in the area, make sure you get active, get involved. It is owned and operated by Victor Gamboa and Rusty Glaze. You have players like Tyler Harmon, myself, Ryan Greenspan, all part of the entire G2 program. You guys can stay up to date with everything at g2paintball.com, and we hope to see you at an event very soon. We are brought to you by Heal Brand. Heal Brand is the best CBD company that we have ever come across I've been taking CBD products for years now, and I absolutely love it, but Heal Brand has taken my CBD consumption level to the next, next tier. This stuff is really the luxurious, high-quality, best brand that you're going to come across. Their whole claim to fame is the nanotechnology. It's the real deal. The claim is that through their nanotechnology, the CBD can actually break through the cellular wall and get into the bloodstream much faster and more efficiently, so you need less to do more. Often CBD products, you'll need to take it for a couple weeks before you really start noticing all of the benefits. With this stuff, as soon as you take it, you notice it right away. Within 15, 20 minutes, you're feeling the benefits of CBD. CBD is great for inflammation, anxiety, sleeping, all sorts of different stuff. CBD is really exploding on the scene because it has such a wide variety of benefits. I personally love to use CBD before I go to bed so I can get a full, well-rested night of sleep. Sleep is so crucial. It's so important. If you want to recover well, if you want to fight off depression and anxiety and those unwanted emotions, proper sleep is where you need to start. CBD products really help me do that. And Heal Brand CBD has a wide variety of options of different products, different formulas. It is all natural. It's amazing. This stuff is fantastic. You guys can head over to healbrand.com, check them out. And there is a, an exclusive offer to all of our PTG listeners. If you use code PLAYTHEGAME at checkout, you'll get 10% off. This episode is brought to you by Transfuse. Transfuse is the only all-natural electrolyte drink that you guys need to have in your cabinets. We love this stuff. We've been using this for an entire season now. This stuff is amazing. I feel great when I drink Transfuse. I drink it every single day. I don't go a day without putting a packet of Transfuse in my water. It's very easy, very portable, easy to travel with, and delicious to drink which means that you're going to love drinking it and you're going to drink more of it, which is going to be incredibly beneficial to your health. has magnesium, potassium, sodium, which are all amazing for proper hydration. It has zinc, vitamin C, vitamin B, and choline. These things are incredible cognitive enhancers and immune-boosting formulas that you don't want to miss out on, especially in times like this. I'm telling you, I drink Transfuse every single day. I love it. Tyler does as well. Anybody who has tried it has been just pouring with great feedback back to us. 
There's a reason that they're at all the NXL events and a lot of the top teams and top professionals are using this product. Do not walk around dehydrated. I never realized how dehydrated I was even when I was drinking all sorts of water. It's not enough. You need the proper nutrition. You need the right ingredients. Transfuse has done a great job of curating the perfect formula. Transfuse is absolutely spectacular. And for all of our listeners, there is a special deal for any Play the Game listener. If you head over to translabs.com, that's T-R-A-N-Z-L-A-B-S.com, and use code PLAYTHEGAME at checkout, you will get 10% off. If you subscribe, which means they auto-ship you your package every single month, whatever you want, whatever type, whatever flavor, whatever electrolyte formula you desire, they will give you an additional 11% off. So it becomes a 21% discount exclusively for all Play the Game listeners. Huge, huge shout out. And and we are incredibly thankful for our supporters. And um, if you guys would like to go support them, it's translabs.com. Use code play the game. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Lone Wolf Paintball. Lone Wolf Paintball is an online supplier that has been around for a very long time. They've actually been Michigan's premier paintball field and supplier since 1987. Now expanding into the online retail store, they are really trying to do their best to supply everything you need to the paintball community. They have it all. You get over to LoneWolfPaintball.com. If you want Field 1, HK, GI, Die, it doesn't matter. They got it. You can surf the website. You can check it out. They have what you need, guaranteed. And they also boast excellent customer service and same-day shipping. That's pretty badass. You could go to the website, order something, and it's going to be sent out that day. That's fantastic. That's amazing customer service. So again, guys, if you would like, you could head over to LoneWolfPaintball.com. You could also check them out on YouTube and Instagram. Their Instagram is LoneWolfPB, and uh, their YouTube is LoneWolfPaintball. And you can see and keep up to date with all their latest deals, their sales, their content. It's a lot of really fun stuff. Play the Game Podcast is excited to have them on board. And uh, you guys should head over and become part of the community. All right. All right, we're back at it. And this time we have Alex Arod Rodriguez from Edmonton Impact, also a former Golden Barrel winner, MVP, uh, two-time MVP, actually. He won the MVP award with Dynasty and with the LA Ironman led them to that amazing victory in 2020 at the Las Vegas Open. A-Rod is a fascinating individual, so successful in so many different ways in paintball and music. Really cool to sit down and talk with him. He has a lot to talk about. This was a banger. So without further ado, we'll see. That was an insane inside move by Marcelo Margot. Great communication. And the crowd starts chanting, Harmon. Great shot by all the guys. So Tyler Harmon saved that game. Came out with two wins. Marcelo Margot was on fire. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the one and only Alex Rodriguez with us. Thank you so much for joining us on the show, brother. You playing for Edmonton Impact, an absolute crusher on any instrument that you put them on. Uh, musically sound, paintball sound, and just an outstanding dude all around. Thanks for coming on the show, bro. How you doing? Dude, Tyler, Marcelo, I'm doing yeah, really buddy. well. Dude, thank you for the words, man. That means a lot, sincerely. Yeah. So, thank you, man. Oh, of man. course. You inspire a lot of us uh, in paintball with your your wild style of play, and uh, you do so much too. That you know, I don't know if a lot of people out there even know this, but musically, you're absolutely dominating. You're always, you know, recording and and doing a lot of really interesting things in that aspect as well. So, we're excited to have you on and kind of pick your brain as to how you've become 
such a phenom on the field and, uh, and everything that you're doing outside of paintball as well. Hell yeah. I'm excited to be here. So thank you guys. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Seeing, seeing how you've progressed through your, uh, musical journey has been amazing, dude. I feel like five, six years ago, if to me, at least it seemed like you were just getting into it and all of a sudden you were an absolute wizard, you know, you were just practicing all the time, learning everything you can. And, and honestly, dude, I, I've told you this from, from the very first time I was like, you're really good at, uh, mm-hmm. at playing music. Like you just have an ear for it. I mean, I have your, I have your songs on my, on my Spotify, you know, anytime you release some beats, like I dig it. They're, they're really cool stuff. Um, so it's, it's really interesting to me how you've, you've found a way to whatever it is that you want to get good at. You've been able to do that throughout your whole career. And so that's why, honestly, I'm really excited to talk to you um, and go through your journey because you do have a, a long story, an amazing story. And it's uh, it's inspiration for a lot of people that I'm, I'm sure don't even know where you came from, you know, how you got into this game and all that stuff, man. So again, you know, like Tyler said, thank you so much for coming on the show. Dude, thank you, man. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a wild ride. You know, I turned 30 this year and just kind of looking back on the last 10 years, like, holy crap, it's been, <laughs> it's been wild, but it's been a lot of fun. So... Yeah, man. Yeah, 30. Mm. 30. Dude, when 30, is your birthday? 30. It's October 19th, man. So October 19th. I'm writing it on the calendar right now. We're partying. Me and A <laughs> Rod are uh, you know, we're neighbors out here in Arizona. It's currently a hundred thousand degrees in the desert yes. out here. Um, oh, I yeah. think more accurately, I think it's around 117 degrees today. Um, so definitely <laughs> makes for some good paintball training if you uh as long as you wake up early and get that you know, that 8 a.m. 100 degree weather uh, jog in there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Shout out to air conditioning. Yeah. Lifesaver. Seriously. Lifesaver. <laughs> Shout out to the AC one time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's wild. That's hot. But you know what? You're right. It's, it is great for training because um, yeah. the reality yeah. is every, it seems like every event we go to is uh, piping hot, humid, it's <laughs> difficult conditions. Mm-hmm. So, Oh man. Yeah. Well, that's the one thing you can't train for the humidity in Arizona. That's right. like yeah, East Coast, for like, sure. man, East Coast and elevation. That's, that's one thing that we don't get a lot of. So mm-hmm. I'm happy about it. But at I the same thinking. time, you know, we'd be a uh, phenomenal athletes. I think if we lived in those conditions. Yeah. <laughs> so. I was actually just in Philly, um, for the 10 man and it was crazy hot, like the humidity, uh, the temperature, it was cooking out there. So I think it's going to be pretty dang hot coming up here for, the uh the nxl that we have in about a week and a half um yeah. definitely bring your sunblock and uh and your bucket hat you know stay out of oh, the sun a little bit <laughs> a lot of water and uh those pedialyte packets or uh yeah transfuse. Liquid IVs. Transfuse, or transfuse. Baby. <laughs> you're right you know honestly man so like steven um last wcppl hooked me up with a box and um Oh, it's nice. not something that I used like regularly, but I felt like whenever I needed to, I'm like, I got that on deck. So like, I, you know, I'd drink yeah. it and honest man, like no bullshit, dude. I do think it's, I think it's good, man. I, I like it. You know, I, uh, mm-hmm. I don't have access to it on the regular, but you know, whenever there's an opportunity, man, I, I do really, really like, um, using it. It's, I think it's a really good product. Well, we got your back, bro. We know we know the guys, and and we work really closely. So we'll make sure we get you hooked up with some transfuses, just as long as uh, as we're not playing Impact or anything like that, um, <laughs> not for tournaments or anything like that. But you know, just just it's some friendly side. use when you go to the golf course. Yeah, yeah, a couple packs. Yeah, for the there. golf course. If you have a show, you know, you got a gig or something, you know, Friday yeah. night in a in a hot, humid <laughs> summer place, and you need to stay hydrated. 
you know, make sure, make sure we got you back. Dude, actually there's a drought right now. We're not going to have transfuse for a little bit. We're, we're working on, uh, you know, getting some more transfuse in and, and, uh, mm-hmm. setting some pre-orders up here pretty soon. But yeah, everyone, everyone loves it, man. Stuff's fantastic. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. It's actually really so, good for the mor- morning, uh, next morning after shows and, uh, going out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. That's right. It's really good. That too. They, we advertise it too. Like, Hey, you know, if you had a couple too many, this could possibly help you as well. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> That's hilarious. You get to play the game. <laughs> yeah, play yeah, yeah. the game, man. Um, so how's everything been, dude? Um, you know, it's been a, it's been a wild journey here up into the present moment. Have you been holding up? Okay. Um, hopefully you were good through COVID and, uh, obviously we'll get into your, your lineage. Um, but where are you at right now currently and, and how's everything been with you? Man, so um, yeah, I would say honestly, like the last let's see, three or four years have just been absolutely insane. But um, like through COVID and all that, I I stayed healthy. Um, I would say I had a very um, productive twenty twenty, uh, despite just yeah. what was happening in the world. And um, you know, as of recent, I've been incredibly busy except for like the you know the last couple of weeks is not by choice but just um had a lot of time to just kind of chill and reassess and think about stuff and um to answer your question i'm actually in wickenburg arizona right now um i live in scottsdale i moved from california um earlier this year after being out there for about 10 years and mm-hmm. i'm in wickenburg which is a little really small town that pretty much you drive through if you're going to like havasu or uh, Las Vegas from Phoenix, and it's a um, it's a horse community. A lot of a lot of old people, but li- really, really down to earth. Just small town. Like nothing is going on at all. And it's uh, my mom lives up here, and my grandparents, be- while they were still here, uh, own this house. And I've just been kind of coming up here to uh, hang out with my mom for a little bit, and because you know, living a state away, you don't really get to you know see your parents or whatever too often. So it's been nice yeah. spending time with her and honestly, just kind of sitting out in the desert, looking at mountains and just alone with my thoughts. And it's been, uh, really refreshing after the last, uh, <laughs> yeah, after the last couple of years, it's been pretty wild. So yeah, I'm in a good spot. For sure. I love Arizona, dude. The landscapes out here are amazing. Um, yes, it is piping hot in the summertime, but the winter time is truly the, uh, the most beautiful winters you've ever seen. And, yeah. um, yeah, I I really respect that, Arod. Like, in, especially in today's day and age, being able to to kind of go where nothing is going on is really refreshing and nice um, because we're constantly bombarded, left, right, up, down with our phones, TVs, yeah. this, that, and the other. Um, Dude, this thing is poison, life. man. This thing is poison. I <laughs> yeah, he's got his a, man. I would throw it off <laughs> a fucking cliff if I could. You can't. <laughs> he's, He's got his phone in his hand for the uh, for the YouTubers and for the listeners out there. Um, so yeah, it is. It's uh, it's nice to be able to just kind of you know, kind of just get out and and uh, be one with nature and and be with your family. That's that's what life's all about, right there, man. I like that. Hell yeah! And I mean, you moved out um, late last year with your fam, so I'm sure yeah. that uh, that whole transition's been pretty. Uh, it seems like it's been really good for you. You've ne- you haven't had any complaints. It doesn't seem like so. 
No, just the scorpions. A couple too many scorpions I've seen. But other than that, uh, things have been you found okay. some scorpions out there? There's been a couple. I'm not, yeah. It, they kind of, I'm like, no, no, no. Come on, guys. Stay away from okay. me. <laughs> Would you rather uh, deal with scorpions or uh, termites? Uh, well, I mean, I really like termites. I think they're pretty sweet. So. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, it's, uh, the termites definitely will eat your house. So that's a catch there. Um, yeah, I definitely. If you just had to hang out with them, if you just had to hang out with them, like they weren't going to eat your house. Oh, you know, yeah. you got to hang out with a pile of termites. Or you'd <laughs> hang out with a bunch of scorpions. Which, which, what are you, what are you going with? I'm choosing the termites just because my wife is a Scorpio. So I already got a scorpion. You know what I'm oh, saying? Right. Yeah. I, I got enough right. of those. Um, <laughs> but yeah, dude, it's, uh, it has been wild, huh, Arod? It's, it's been crazy times. And, um, you know, I didn't know that the world was going to shut down before I moved to Arizona. I moved out here and then two weeks later, uh, we got back from, um, you know, Las Vegas and it was shut down. I remember Rusty helped me move into my house when I moved out here to Arizona. I left that same day that, um, that, uh, Rusty helped me and then it all, it all shut down. It was just crazy. Who, who would have saw that coming? (laughs) Yeah. That's crazy. So definitely got lucky, you know, because um, we were able to get, you know, into our apartment or out of our apartment rather and into a house um, with the kiddos and stuff. And, yeah. and uh, it's been good. It's been really good. It's been crazy too, dude. I totally uh, empathize with you and feel you on that because the last couple of years have been a roller coaster for sure. <laughs> Yeah, man. yeah, well, I'm glad you and the fam are doing well and, um, mm-hmm. you know, staying on top of the transition. You know, it can, uh, I know a lot of people that had a very, very difficult year last year. So the fact mm-hmm. that we're doing this right now and, you know, yeah, just the fact that we're here right now is amazing. So just super thankful and Absolutely. happy uh, to be doing this with you guys. So for sure. Yeah. And we all get to play paintball, which is a major blessing, man. It's so good for it's- us on so many levels. Dude, it's so crazy, man. It's not until recently that I really put into perspective how lucky we are about, you know, being able to play paintball and compete at the level that we do and travel and the experiences that we've had, um, you know, growing up. Cause Mm -hmm. I mean, you see how the, like the real world is the real world and, um, you know, yeah, quote unquote. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I feel like if you can, um, if you're successful in paintball, once you kind of leave and you see how everything out, you know, is out there in the real world. But um, one, it gives you an option to take everything you've learned from paintball and be extremely successful if you decide to apply yourself in the right way. And two, it reminds you that paintball is a significant thing that regardless of the bad times and like, what might be going on and all the drama and all this really stupid things that can come about the fact that we're doing it um, Mm -hmm. at the level that we do it at is just phenomenal. It's incredible. So a lot to be thankful for. I think that's a powerful. Absolutely. I think that's a powerful thing with all sports. You know, you can take a lot of lessons that are learned through sports and take them to the real world and they can teach you how to deal with so many different things and how to, um, achieve goals, achieve different, you know, areas of w- whether you want to dominate the workforce, work your way up a ladder or, or 
be good at a relationship. You know, as funny as it sounds, sports really teach you to focus on all the little details and how to get to your end goal, you know, and how to, how to work collectively and, and be honest with yourself, you know, cause in sports, it's, uh, it's very rare that you, you can be dishonest with yourself and, and get the results that you want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very much so. That was well said, man. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta be meticulous and, and, uh, dialing it all in. So A-Rod, we all want to know, like, how did this all come about? How did you find paintball? How did paintball find you? What was the first mm. experience for you? Um, and how did that look? Was it a birthday party? We got a birthday party. <laughs> oh, bro. I was, I was actually going to throw it out there. Like, uh, I don't know what goes on in your discord and stuff, but you guys should have like, yeah. uh, like an over under or like a betting system for birthday parties <laughs> or like first times. Cause yeah, it was a, uh, it was a birthday party for me. One hundred percent. There we go. Yeah, actually, yeah, up in a uh, Splatter Ranch, uh, which I think there's still a field. Um, like North Scottsdale, Borderline Cave Creek. Um, went out, dude. I just went there and played a played. I played a tournament out there. No, dude, that was my first first place, first time, man. Westworld Splatter Ranch. It was yeah, yeah out in the desert, and holy crap, dude, it was. It was unreal. How'd you like it up there? Is it still, uh, are people still going like still a thing, like still a pop and feel oh, yeah. or what? There was a, there was a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, Dope. we, Brandon Unger actually set up this really cool field where he wrapped these cactuses with like this mesh. So we were playing on like a whole field of cactuses that were like wrapped. And then, uh, there was just it was just like an old nostalgic feel to it. It was really cool, and you could tell that the field had been there for like a really long time. Yeah. Dude, that that's that's is crazy. That, that you... it, Go ahead, it, Aaron. Is that the field that we went to? I know that I think there was two. Right, we went to the indoor to do the clinic in like 2013. Is that the same owners? Yeah, we went to the indoor. Um, I'm sure. Okay. I don't know if it's the same owners anymore. I think honestly, I, I've been really out of you know out of tune with um, gotcha. Arizona paintball for a while, so I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, they, they were sister locations. Um, I don't know yeah. if the indoor still around or not, but be worth looking into. Gotcha. Gotcha. But, uh, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's funny that you said you Splatter got this nostalgic is feeling. Awesome, man. <laughs> it is, it is, man. And, um, yeah. when you brought up the, like the fact that it gave you like this nostalgic feeling, it was weird. Cause the first time I ever played actually just in Westworld in general, like, you know, when you go to different fields, every field kind of has its own feeling. It has like this weird energy or vibe to it. And I remember the vibe to this field was just, Mm -hmm. it felt nostalgic. Like I'd never been there before, but it was like this thing, like, yeah, I don't know. It's maybe just, uh, you know, the universe telling me that I'm about to go on this wild journey and, uh, buckle up, (laughs) but it was an amazing time. Went out from my buddy, uh, (laughs) Alec Heinrich's uh, birthday. Uh, I think I was in eighth grade at the time. And yeah, he had, uh, I think he had played like once or twice before and he's like, bro, you got to come out. And I'm like, hell yeah, it's your birthday. We got to celebrate. And uh, he had like these hockey jerseys and stuff that we threw on and just went out and got a case of paint, rental gear. And um, definitely, I I think I shot a couple people, but definitely got worked by some like uh, military looking dudes. You know, everybody's first time of like the military guys or the dudes that are dressed up in camo or just way too serious smashing on kids and stuff. But um, I loved it, man. Just like the adrenaline rush, (laughs) you know, everything that's got us hooked on paintball. So man, it was, it was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. So that was, uh, yeah, that was the first time. And that was, uh, 
Except Dude, everyone remembers man. their first time going out to yeah. the paintball field, man. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> you remember what month? Yeah. So, um, mm-hmm. I remember it really vividly because actually, no, first time, first time was I think May or June of 2006. And then I was hooked and then just started like looking into everything paintball wise. And then a couple months later, I went to the indoor location, Westworld. And then after that, um, I remember it coincided with uh, paintball was on TV. It was on ESPN. Um, and I had my DVR and it was that tournament from 2005 um, that, that I forgot what, what Miami or something. So it was cool because I wasn't really able to play paintball that much, but I was watching it and I was researching the hell out of it, like just DVRing everything and just like watching it. And mm-hmm. honestly, I'm super fortunate that it was actually on TV because if it wasn't, I don't, I actually don't know if I'd be here today because I'd be like, yo, dad, come check this out. Mom, yo, check this out. Like these guys are doing it professionally. Yeah. And like, it was cool because the way that they broke everything down is like, it was post-production, but they showed um, like the lanes that people were shooting and like these graphics and stuff. And then just the personalities on each team. And I remember, yeah, dynasty, naughty dog, success of like everybody. And um, I was actually, I think oh, yeah. my favorite team watching was like the hurricanes. I thought uh, for whatever reason, just the way that Maddie or, you know, whoever was putting it together, they were like the new kids and stuff like that. That would be your favorite team. <laughs> no, it was, dude, it was cool, man. Like they were, they were wild. I remember like, yeah, at the time watching like, uh, like Billy and Mantoni and, um, I think what Danny Savoy or something like that. No, like I thought, I thought it was badass. Like, it was just, yeah, yeah, dude, it was, it was badass to watch. It was really cool. So it was one of those things that, um, I was, uh, you know, I played sports my entire life and, a lot of it was, you know, baseball at a very, very competitive level, like tennis, martial arts and stuff. But it was always through, it was always through like my dad and stuff. So like, it was like, I loved it, but it was like, that's the kind of direction he was kind of guiding me in. But this was like my chance to do my thing, like playing paintball. I kind of discovered it on my own and I was like, damn, this is a lot of fun. Like, this is a blast. Like, this is crazy. And the fact yeah. that you can be <laughs> professional at it, like, holy shit, like. This is wild. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, love that. Yeah, dude, a rod. It real quick. I just kind of want to set the set the the scene for people. You know, you're sitting here with us right now. Uh, just came off an event when you in 2020 led the Ironmen, who nobody thought was going to have a chance at winning an event. You led them to a win. You got the MVP, the Golden Barrel. You have put yourself in position to be one of the few players in the league that are sought after by uh, the teams that are willing to pay their players. Um, and for the listeners, and, and honestly, it's up to you how, how far down this road we go, but I think it's one of the most inspiring stories of things you can overcome because as we get into your journey, you know, I, I think the listeners can really learn a lot from where you came from and how you overcame different obstacles to put yourself in this position. I mean, really against all odds, you know, and uh, that's something that I've always, you know, I've always told you, I've always admired you for, for the stuff that you've, you've done to put yourself in position to make this dream a reality. Um, So again, for the listeners, as A-Rod sits here with all this success, um, I hope you guys really tune in and, and listen to this journey because it uh it should inspire you guys because if he could do it honestly you know 
pretty much anybody can go out there and do it. You know, there's no excuses. And and you've mm-hmm. proven that over and over, both in paintball and actually in music. You know, I kind of touched on it a little bit and I'm sure we'll get into that as well. But just want to set the set the tone for your success in this game and what you've you've accomplished so far. And uh, obviously we know you're not finished, but um, yeah, so excited to jump back in. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I was, you know, I have a lot of time. We have been talking about doing this for, you know, probably since you guys have started actually Just doing about, this production. Really? Yeah. And, Some uh, of you guys was, are hard to get, man. It's like, you know, it's like uh, uh, deep sea fishing, you know, sometimes you get lucky, <laughs> sometimes you don't. <laughs> yeah. Well, timing's everything. And, you know, just the way yeah. everything works, it just, it wasn't the right timing, but now just, you know, everything, mm-hmm. everything seems like it's, um, you know, it should be out. spoken about. And um, I've had a lot of time to think about it, put things into perspective. And honestly, the reason coming on here has been a lot like well one you know clearing the air i think that's a huge thing um especially the last couple of years i just haven't had a chance to do it unless we've been in person and you've asked me i haven't really gone out of my way to uh share my story but uh two like you said marcelo um you know i'm a, I'm, I'm a pretty self-aware individual so i i do realize that where i came from in my story is very uncommon and um you know, I think, um, a decision here or there could definitely, could have definitely been a make or break for me. And I, for whatever reason, um, just lucked out and super fortunate with the people that I met and just my work ethic and allowed me to get to the point where I'm at now. And if, uh, I think the biggest thing, hopefully after today is, you know, there's just one, one person out there, one kid, adult, whatever that, you know, if I say something and, it resonates with them and it helps them to become better, to chase something, whether it's paintball, music, a business, an idea, you know, that it would have made for a successful podcast and doing this, you know? So I really hope that, uh, through me, you know, hopefully, you know, somebody gets inspired to, to be great, to be better and to do something because, um, I've had a lot of people do that for me, um, Mm -hmm. through music and you know through paintball actually and just life in general we need that you know to keep pushing so yeah Yeah. excited excited about this absolutely dude yeah and and we can't we can't stop watching your journey bro it's it's uh amazing what you've been able to accomplish um like marcella said you know i should have introduced you better but yeah you're the golden barrel winning you know current champion um from the last tournament and you've you've really done so much in your time with paintball and I do want to kind of, um, you know, regress a little and go into your kind of grassroots again and your upbringing and, and just kind of tell your story of how things came to be. Um, I know it wasn't easy. And I think that our listeners can also get a lot of value from hearing that, that you know, the truths of reality of, of everything that you've been through. Um, but if we could just kind of um, go, I know that you played your birthday party and then how did things yeah. kind of progress uh, out of there in your timeline? All right. So that was, I was like May, June of 06. And then I played again at the indoor at like uh, September, no, August, I think like late August. Mm-hmm. And then after my second time playing, went with my buddy Alec and uh, another friend, Justin Combs. I'm like, yo, um, we need to start playing this. There's tournament style, like this recreational stuff is cool, but like we got to get where the action is. Like <laughs> we need to get onto like yeah. these sub air fields or whatever. And 
uh, did a Google search, um, and there was this field called 23 BPS. Uh, they're no longer a field, but it was the premier field at the time in Arizona. And uh, <laughs> 23 we out, BPS, that's fast. Dude, <laughs> yeah. And um, <laughs> dude, it was... Um, it was wild. It was such a shock because I had gone from Westworld and like the badasses were like the military dudes and like the older guys just picking on kids to like you go here and holy yeah. crap, like there's Team United, there's One Up Kids, there's Sniper Force. And like these are all oh, wow. for the listeners, like old school uh, MPPL teams, um, like from 2005, yeah. 2006, um, back when MPPL was still a thing. And I just remember, dude, they were shooting like uncapped semi. They were just rocking their guns and like just seven man. There's like that feeling of a seven man breakout that I don't think, I mean, you and I, you, you know, we all understand it, but like a true seven man breakout where everyone's gunned up and there's 14 guns off the break shooting like unlimited. Like there's, there's this feeling about it. Like, holy crap. Like mm -hmm. this is, this is crazy. This is wild. And it yeah. was just like, uh, it was a shock just kind of going and playing and sneaking in, just getting beat up on. And, um, mm -hmm. we loved it. And we're like, man, we gotta, we gotta start a three man team. There was like a local young gun series, uh, thrown by, um, a store called Arizona paintball depot at the mm -hmm. time. And, um, we signed up and this was September. Yeah. September, 2006. So we signed up for this uh, Young Guns tournament. It was three men, 14 under, 15 under, 14 or 15 under. And uh, what was sick about it, it was at night. So our like third time, <laughs> like fourth time playing, it was a tournament. It was under lights. And I'm not going to lie, dude, I was scared shitless. I've never played at night before, let alone in a tournament and stuff. And like fourth time playing paintball and... Dude, I just remember like it was just so wild. Like the adrenaline was just, you know, I wish I, I wish I could feel that again because it was something I've never experienced like since then. It was just so vivid, man. And uh, I just remember like you just see flashes going by and then like, what do I do? And then like, it just felt like everybody was shooting at you <laughs> and you're just kind of standing with your gun down, like figuring out like, yo, what's going on? You can't even communicate or talk. And then uh yeah i don't i don't know if we even won a game but it was it was wild it was the best <laughs> it was so much fun <laughs> hell yeah and um dude that's was, awesome so yeah I, you know from there and kind of you know i always been competitive in sports so i was like all right how do we get better how do we how do how do i keep improving right because there was there wasn't like you don't say you competitive no <laughs> There wasn't a, there wasn't outlets for, uh, I don't know. Like I was so used to, cause I played very like a high level of, uh, baseball growing up. And it was like, if you wanted to do it, like, you know, there's travel leagues, there's, uh, camps, there's all these things that you go to and paintball. I was just like, yo, where, like, where's the training facility? Where can I go work on my shot during the week? Like wh who can I hire to help me out? Mm -hmm. And, um, it just, it wasn't that. So I kind of had to add in like mm -hmm. very early on, like, you know, right as I started, I'm like, I gotta, I have to teach myself and I have to like look at people and emulate them and, you know, try to ask them for help. Um, some people were helpful. Some people weren't, you know, and kind of had to, you know, figure that out for myself. 
and uh, I think it was um I think it was the way that it needed to be, but it really kind of t- taught me more of a self-reliance of like okay, this is how I get better at something on my own. And I didn't really have a road to navigate. So it was like, remember there was this dude, um, shit, I'm back in Arizona. So I got to go, I got to hit him up and see what he's doing. Cause I know he's still out here, but his name is John Logan. And that was the first guy that I remember mm. really took me under his wing and was like, all right, kid, this is how you play paintball. Cause you know, I would go into the store and you know, always like just hang out until, you know, it was closing and they would kick me out and stuff and just completely nerding out on paintball. Mm-hmm. And I remember, yeah, I'd show up on the weekends and he would be like, all right, follow me. And we'd go out onto the rec field when people weren't playing. And literally he would just say, okay, your goal for this week is to learn how to load pods. So he'd teach me how to hold my gun up and load at the same time while shooting, while talking. And I remember just going home and I'd be like, all right, so I got to perfect this this weekend. And then, you know, during the week, literally would be at home with a pot of paint, learning how to keep my gun up and load it and just completely fail. Paint would go everywhere. My mom would be like, the fuck are you doing? Like, and I just, you know, I'm like I'm practicing, I'm practicing. And she's like, all right, all right, whatever. And clean it up, do it again, do it again do it again. And for the most part, it was like this weekly check-in of like, all right, this is your task. Come back and, you know, I'll show you more. And, uh, I was fortunate that he would do that with me. And, um, I got to learn really quickly. And, uh, I, another thing is I played a lot. I would play twice a weekend and really try to, uh, just get better and, uh, improve upon things. So, have a lot. Hey, hey Rod, how did you, how did you hustle to get the paint and like entry, um, you know, and, and manage those kind of things? Cause I know that's a common thing that a lot of people go through trying to navigate. Um, so maybe yeah. you could give some insight on that. So at least then I, I grew up, I had, I had an interesting story growing up, but at that moment in time, um, my mom helped me out. Uh, tremendously. My mom and my stepdad. Um, so I was very fortunate that, um, um, they allowed me to do these things. Right. So, uh, they helped me get paint, you know, they helped fund it basically everything and drove me around, you know, when I was 14, 15 years old. So, um, I, I will say that, uh, I was incredibly lucky at that point in my life to where I had that support from, you know, my mom to uh, do that. Because uh, if I didn't, I don't think I probably wouldn't be here right now, for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't think I had the wherewithal to, you know, get a job that young or figured, or I might have figured it out. I don't know. But just thinking about how I was, I was, I was the type where I was like super focused on one thing and everything else didn't matter. So I had tunnel yeah. vision, basically. So well, that's what family family's all about, dude. They uh, they lift us up, and and they, you know, from an outside perspective, they can probably see how much you love it and how good it is for you. So when they see that kind of stuff, they want to help you too. They want to help you be the best that you can be. So that's what that's what you yeah. know. Um, thank God for family, and uh, don't yeah. ever, you know, we can't take it for granted because there's so many people out there that don't have those types of things, and uh, we're very we're very fortunate. I know all of us, you know. Um, had some help with our family helping us play paintball and and it definitely had a huge impact on our lives 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely wouldn't be here without the fan bam. So for sure. I have a lot to say thanks for man. Yeah. Since, straight up. Yeah. Me too. Thank you, mom and dad. Thank you guys. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Um it was it was now thinking back on it, yeah, I was super fortunate that basically I had the ability to work towards something that I really, really wanted to do and had the backing for it. There's so many people that I think have the fire and the drive, but just they don't have it, you know, they don't have that support. So they have to figure out ways and get creative in order to chase it. But at at, at the end of the day, it's like the it's the talent versus hard work argument, right? Like if you have everything that you need set there for you, are you going to take the opportunity to make it happen? Or if you have the card stacked against you, are you going to do what it takes to make it happen? It doesn't really matter in the end. Like mm-hmm. you could have all the handouts and hand ups in the world, but if you don't have work ethic, it doesn't matter. Um, but at the same time, you mm-hmm. could have all the work ethic in the world and not have the backing um, but then you would have to think outside the box to make it a reality. So every, every situation is super unique. And, um, at the end of the, mm-hmm. I'm probably going to say at the end of the day, a lot, I've been trying to work on it, but I've been told multiple times I That's say right. at the end of the yeah. day, but, uh, there, there, there are different days though, you know, at the end of this exa- day, at the end of that exactly. day, at the yeah, end yeah. of the day, dude, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so, with you. Uh, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's all the same. You just need to make it work. <laughs> Whatever your situation is, you just yeah. handle, just handle, you know? So, yeah. Absolutely. Well, I know like, you know, all of us kind of started pretty young. Um, and thank God that, you know, we had, you know, our mom or our dad that was like, yeah, we'll buy you a couple bags of paint. You can go play some paintball and, you know, you keep your grades up and you don't, you stay out of mischief and we'll, we'll help you out. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's, it's all about the choices because, um, you know, I, I turned pro when I was 13 years old. So they, yeah, they, I know you went young, but that young, holy shit. Yeah. That's when I got on Bob's team was when I was 13. And, you know, my parents, obviously, you know, I couldn't drive when I was uh, 12 or, or 13 even, but they helped me and, you know, nurtured me in those first couple of years to where I was able to get sponsored. And then I had a full sponsorship, you know, at a young age and was able to you know, play a lot more, but it was, it was that, that grit mentality, even from a young age, I didn't realize that I was doing it, but I was just hyper-focused on accomplishing the goal of, you know, attaining knowledge of paintball and, um, you know, essentially getting into the fifties. That's what, that's what is going to take you to success. You got to be able to get in those fifties and shoot people out and make big moves and win paintball games. If you're not doing that and you're hanging back and, you know, thinking that, you know, teams are just going to come and pick you up and and everything's going to, you know, be a dream come true. It's just not going to happen. You got to really be attacking the field. So all of us, you know, we are attackers and that's what it takes. You got to be attacking life and then things will start to blossom for you when you put that effort forward. You know, it opens doors. Yeah. Yeah. Doors, doors don't really open if you don't knock. Yeah. So, you know, you gotta be, sometimes you gotta be really loud. <laughs> obnoxious. <laughs> sometimes you gotta kick that door in. Yeah. You don't wait for somebody to open it. Open that shit yourself. Yeah, there we say go. So, say sorry later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> say sorry later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah and, I've been really bad about that. You know, as I get older, I'm like, you know, 
stop with the permission stuff. Just say sorry later. I, I definitely, there's a fine balance of, of uh, not spending too much time trying to please so many other people and spending more time, you know, trying to make sure that you please yourself, but you want to do it in a way where you don't step on, on, on certain people or do it in the wrong way, but it's a fine balance. And I know a lot of people struggle with that. A lot of people out there, um, it leads to depression. You know, people that try to constantly do stuff for other people and, and make other people happy, they forget about themselves, you know? And then the person that is focused on keeping themselves happy gets shamed for it. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a really funny world we live in where we put these, these pressures and, and uh, um, you know, mm-hmm. we, we put people in these, these little boxes, these corners that they can't really fight, fight out of. Um, it's tough. Yeah. We, we see it in business all the time too, you know, like, um, in a lot of the corporate world, it's, it is like that. And it's, it's a juggling act to, you know, navigate all that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And the best thing that you can do is just stay pure of heart and, you know, have empathy for others and try to help and be the best teammate that you can be um, in those environments. But yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot of different circumstances at play that are going on. <laughs> Bro, that balance is like, grabbing a snake by the head and trying to sing it to sleep while it not, you know, biting you in the neck. <laughs> Dude, like that balance is ridiculous. And I mean, yeah. it's just, it's just the way that the world is, man. And, you know, I, there's, mm-hmm. there's definitely forces greater than us on, you know, and it's just mm-hmm. like, it's like this constant thing of trying to figure it out. And once you figure it out, you stand upon the mountain, you just look over the horizon and you're just like, man, this is badass. And then you take a step and you're rolling down this hill that's rocky and just, you know, you get mm. scuffed up and you got to work your way back up. And it's this constant, choose your metaphor, but wave that whatever, you know, and mm-hmm. Marcella, you, you said it very well. It's a, it's a fine balance. It's a fine balance that, you know, I don't think we'll ever truly be masters of. You know, we're always going to be fighting for it. And um, along that, you know, mistakes are made, successes are made, and it's just a part of the story. So, Mm. yeah, it's wild. It is. Super wild. Truly. So, I want to know more about your wild wild, uh, climb into tournament paintball. Um, Yeah. Tell me more about that. All right. So yeah, getting around October, November, I'd been playing three man tournaments and like every weekend that was possible. And, uh, going into, um, you know, December and January, uh, the guys that I was playing with, uh, were just kind of, kind of fading out of it a little bit. Just, we were about to start, um, let's see in 2000, what year was that? 2006 was I in, I think I was in high school or just starting high school and so mm. one of my homies played you know really competitive uh uh hockey another one was kind of like just having fun and you know i was kind of balancing baseball at the same time but obviously i was going to make the decision to play paintball and um it kind of got to the point where they're like you know i don't know if we're going to do this so i'm like all right well if there's an opportunity i'm going to try to find a team uh, so I hopped on a forum at the time called PBAZ. I don't think it's still around, but it was a uh, it was a it was like PB Nation, but for Arizona paintball. And it was it was cool, man. Yeah. It was just like all the locals and a bunch of people talking shit and just like you know just trolling on the forums and 
you know, every once in a while you'd learn something, but you kind of kept in the loop. It was like a congregation of just like, um, everybody to where it's just like you had sub forums and all that stuff. And I remember I saw a post yeah. and it was like, uh, ghetto Smurfs, uh, looking to play D four five man PSP 2007, 2000 seasons. Ghetto's first baby, shout out, dude. Uh, so, <laughs> so ghetto Smurfs, that's right. I yeah, I was I couldn't yeah. remember the name. I was in the intro. I was gonna say I remember a Smurf something. I couldn't remember what it was. Yeah. Ghetto Smurfs, that's right. The Ghetto Smurfs, <laughs> dude. It was, it was sweet. They were uh, so they were from Tucson, um, Tyler. You know where Tucson's at, right? It's like hour hour and yeah. a half south yeah. of us, and um, mm-hmm. so I, I hit up uh, I hit up the guy. Uh, his name was David Shin and I sent him a message and I'm like, yo, uh, how are tryouts going to work and all that. And I remember he was so, uh, I thought it was, I thought it was interesting. He was just so, uh, kind of arrogant on it. He was like, oh, we're going to be there, you know, on Sunday and blah, blah, blah. And are you familiar with the team's history? And I'm like, no, not really. And he's like, I suggest you look into it. And I'm like, okay. So I looked and it's like, <laughs> they played like three men you know, young guns tournaments and stuff, which at the time I'm like, Oh, these guys are badass. They played out of state. They played XPSL. Like these guys are making it happen. So I was like, okay. So then I, um, you know, we go out 23, we play for the day and we play for the day and then, um, end up just having a lot of fun. You know, I don't think there were too many competitive teams out there. So it was just me and another buddy went out and we both made the team. And, uh, was talking with them and, uh, they're like, yeah, so here's the plan. You know, we're going to play D five or D four or five men on PSP all of 2007. And, uh, you know, we all have the backing to do it from our parents and we were all like 14 or 15. We're like right there. Like nobody, nobody was 16, nobody could drive, nobody could do anything. So yeah, we were about that age and, um, the plan was we play like every other weekend or every weekend. I don't remember, but we played quite a bit and, um, just getting ready for it. Uh, it was tough because at the time, you know, it was X ball, right? Um, it wasn't matches. It was more MPPL style to where you'd play eight prelim matches and stuff like that. But, um, in Arizona, it was like strictly MPPL. Like it was all seven man, right? There's no five man. So that was, that was the weird thing about Arizona back in those days. It's just like, um, you would have to practice seven man and then go play PSP at, you know, the league at the time, um, before NXL for all the, you know, new guys in the, you know, in the game. And, uh, it was this weird thing. Like I just, there was this weird stigma, like X ball was kind of, you know, for the, uh, for Nancy's, you know, that was the stigma, right? There weren't any X ball teams from Arizona. Nobody played mm-hmm. uh, PSP. Everybody played seven man, you know, you at the time. Yeah. Like I said, uh, team United was playing semi-pro. Then you had one up kids who had just like won a D three, uh, you know, series championship. So those, those guys were the gods, right? Like those guys were just, they were the shit. Those like everybody looked up to them and, you know, kind of feared when you played them like, Oh man, like we got to play them in seven man and all that. And, you know, we, we get run up on. But it was it was a cool learning experience. So um, it was just I, now actually thinking about it because I haven't thought about this in a while. But it was super weird playing seven man and then going back to X ball. You know, going uncapped semi to having to 
you know, play 15 balls a second ramping, you know, it was, it was wild. And, uh, Dude, first- that was, that was, yeah. I mean, that's, that's like Tyler and I, I mean, that was the norm, right? We'd go back and forth from pro events throughout the season. You're playing seven man, then going to uncapped, uh, X ball events. It was a weird transition, but I actually think that that is a huge, like you can tell the players that went through that era, I think, because I think those players are more versatile. They understand how to play. It, it was such a variety of, of styles of play. You know, you were forced to adapt and play, play a different game. And so your mind is already working on how to, how to adapt, how to look at the fields differently, how to see different variables. You know, like I, I think that was a great time. I loved when we were going back and forth from seven man to X. I wish we still had, had two leagues to be honest. You know, I, I wish we still That'd had it. Sick. That would be awesome. Mm-hmm. man. And I don't think, uh, you know, I don't, I don't really know why MPPL went under. I'm sure there was a lot of reasons, but I thought it was a f- like phenomenal league. Like mm-hmm. there was something about those tournaments that was just like unparalleled, you know, especially compared to today. You know, like mm-hmm. I, obviously those were the glory days of paintball, but yeah, seven man was sick. It would be, it would be really cool to do, a, mm-hmm. you know, a seven man tournament, especially with the rosters that we have nowadays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Man, it would be mm-hmm. a lot of fun. So Yeah. It was crazy going back and forth from the different styles. Like you had to go, like this methodical seven man, you know, um, X ball was all coaching seven man, obviously no coaching. And then the rate of the guns, um, the skill of having to pull the trigger and then not pull the trigger when you go to one league or the other, it was just, yeah. it was the it was size crazy. of the field. The bunkers yeah. were different yep. shaped, you know, mm-hmm. it was, uh, so many different yeah. variables. It was, it was badass. You know, you really, you really learned a lot of different types of paintball. Yeah. Truly. Yeah. It, it, looking back, it was probably one of the best educations that I had, even though I never really competed in seven man tournaments, uh, you know, here a few, like few or few here and there, but nothing like consistent. Like our main focus was, uh, playing a D four, um, in the PSP league. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah, looking back on it, I think the education was really, really good. I, Absolutely. You know, yeah, so of course. more we, paintball. Uh, that's the motto. More, more painful. <laughs> yeah. More you, le- legitimately, if you're focusing on what you need to be focusing on and you play more, you will get better and it will yeah. lead to better things, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we play our first tournament and absolutely got shit stomped. <laughs> PSP LA 2000, <laughs> 2007 um, on that turf, that super t- uh, slippery yeah. turf. Home Depot. Mm-hmm. Home Depot Center. Home Depot Center. And, uh, man, I remember my first point ever that I played, uh, we are playing this team and we, we were on APPA. We we're looking at these cats like, man, this guy's 37, this guy's 40, like <laughs> this guy's played how many tournaments? And you know, we're 14, 15 green as hell. And, mm-hmm. uh, first point, uh, I was running to the corner and I remember it was like a mini X out in the corner and like, you know, I wasn't really a corner player, but for whatever reason i was the guy going out to the corner at that point and i remember just the clock counting down and just that feeling of like okay we're here like we're playing national tournaments everything kind of like it was like that moment of everything kind of comes together and ran out to the corner overslid it about seven feet somehow got back into the bunker started shooting my gun, didn't even like look inside the entire time to shoot, 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 shoot. And then all of a sudden I just got smoked like eight times in the side of my head. Oh. And I was like, <laughs> what the fuck just happened? 
and then I got up and they had like five people alive and they just ran in the flag and I just kind of looked around and we had these white ghetto Smurf jerseys um, that were just white and blue, but predominantly all white. And from like the slide and just getting shot, like I was just orange already. And I just kind of was looking around like, this is fucking awesome. This is the <laughs> shit. Like I just got smoked down, but like where I'm at the home Depot center at a national tournament, like, holy crap, this is tight. So I think um, we lost every single game. I think we got second to last place. And um, it was, yeah, we just, we got smoked. It was a rough day. It was a it rough was, day for the Smurfs. It, it was a rough day for the Smurfs, man. So, yeah. But still fun, you know? Oh, dude, it was the best, man. Driving out to California and yeah. just hanging out. You know, what was cool is uh, uh, David's dad, Greg Shin, he would always book us at Marriott's. So like one of the cool things was, I mean, we were too young, but like the happy hour, right? We couldn't drink, but just like the snacks and all that, we'd always just kick yeah. in the lobby and stuff. And we would uh, run through the hallways, play hide and seek, like in those cool corridors. And like, it yeah. was, it was awesome, man. It was really exceeded every expectation that I had just thinking about like, what would it be like going to a tournament and just doing it with people my age. And, you know, we developed a friendship throughout the year, you know, and it was it was unparalleled to anything I've done before in life because, you know, I played in like a, like a baseball world series to where we traveled to like New York and we were like the top eight teams in the country. And like, it was like a huge deal and stuff, but it was weird because like, that was one of the pinnacles of like baseball and stuff, like experiencing that. But there's just something about paintball that was on a different level. And it was just like, okay, cool. So got that out of the way what's next mm -hmm. and i remember through the d4 season we just kept working working and you know the next tournament we made sunday then you know the next tournament after that we went from just making sunday to where we won um because we got to ocho's got knocked out and then we won uh ocho's and then in chicago we made it to quarterfinals and then river city we got like fifth place Nice. And then the last tournament, World Cup, there was like 128 teams in D4-5, man. Like, it was incredible. And it was a World Cup. And it was 2007. Like, I heard 2006 was probably one of the better World Cups. Like, probably the best World Cup of all time. And 2007 was still pretty badass. Like, I remember at the old location at Disney, we were playing on fields that was past the road, like, almost what it felt like a mile out in the boonies. But... uh uh, it was a crazy event and we ended up getting um, fifth place again out of 128 teams, our, our last event. And we had kept pretty much the same roster. We were all, I think some of us had turned 16 at that point, but we were all 14, 15, 16 years old. And we, you know, we stuck with it which I think there's something to be said about that. Like just sticking with it. Like don't, it doesn't matter how you start, just stick with it and just keep going and going. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it was, it was cool. It was, it was a fun first year and especially just getting fresh into it. Like I was, you know, I'd only played playing ball a couple of times and I'm like, all right, yeah, let's this play national it. events. Let's go. Yeah. Like, <laughs> how never... long, What's up? How long were you uh, a ghetto smurf for? You'll forever be a ghetto smurf to me now. Oh, for forever. sure. Um, <laughs> dude, no, but, man. No, man. But, uh, uh, forever, dude. Ghetto smurfs, yeah. like, oh, that's my roots, man. You know, and um, uh, we kept the team together for two years. 
Uh, nice. D4 and D3. D3 X-Ball. Um, the transition to X-Ball was a lot different. Uh, we mm-hmm. had to get more people. And then with more people on the team comes more logistics, more personalities, um, yeah. more headache and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a lot of things kind of going on, I think, in everybody's life. You know, you turn 16 and, you know, you're in high school and, you know, certain things like distractions. And, you know, like if you're not super about paintball, like if it's just fun, and you're not really wanting to take it to the next level, you know, it's kind of just there. And, uh, there was only a couple of us that wanted to keep pushing. So mm-hmm. that was the unfortunate part, but past that, um, you know, we, we finished out the two years. Um, so D four, five man, and then D three X ball. And then in that off season, <laughs> it was actually the first time I had to let the boys know that, uh, I was going to be going elsewhere. <laughs> to look at other opportunities to play, um, you know, and compete at a higher level. And, uh, you know, and this time I, you know, I had met some really great people. Like I, I definitely have to shout out, you know, people that helped me, especially in 2008, like Maddie Cole, old school aftermath guy. You know, I remember, you know, just watching aftermath videos and stuff. And then Maddie Cole shows up to the field and he's just like wearing an aftermath jersey. I'm like, yo bro, how, how how do I do that? How do I do what you did? You know, how do I get there? So he would help me out. And um, midway to, through 2008, and uh, this is a very important start or very important, you know, point in the story. Um, I met a guy named Daryl Hudnall. Do you guys remember CP Custom Products? Absolutely. Remember, uh, you remember Black Daryl, big guy, mm-hmm. the driver for CP? Yeah, mm-hmm. I do. Absolutely. So he moved out to Arizona and um, we were playing and he had just moved from Texas and we were at the field. And then I had heard that he would go out to California on the reg- like regular. And I'm like, well, who are you with? And he would say, you know, he told me his backstory. And then he's just like, yeah, you know, um, I work with the team out in uh, Southern California. Their name is uh, Velocity Wrecking Crew. And I'm like, Really? Shout out okay. to Wrecking Crew. Shout None out to Wrecking Shout out to Wrecking Crew. And yeah, uh, yeah, I um, just was just picked his brain and ended up just carpooling with him every single opportunity I had to go out to California and start playing midway through 2008. And um, just uh, man, just that was that was a pretty wild experience as well and i i started to realize like the dream was becoming closer and closer because when i first started um well not when i first started but i would say the beginning of 2008 when i started playing x-ball and going to these pro tournaments the ironman was the team for me you know i had uh one of my uh holy grails and like my bible was heroes for a day yeah uh that uh that monkey with a gun video absolutely i think it was i think it was monkey with a gun and uh i'd watch it every day and I, I would plead with my mom. I'm like, this is what I could do. Like, just let me stick with it. And, um, you know, some stuff happened in my personal life, um, with my stepdad to where I had to, um, I actually had to drop out of high school in order to take care of him. Cause he had a, he had a brain tumor and, um, it was completely like paralyzed after surgery and my, his part of his family was going to put him in a home and stuff. And at the time him and my mom were kind of rocky and not really having a relationship, but he was like a dad to me. So 
um, one of the things he didn't want to go to a home. So my mom offered and, you know, I also said I'd do it, but like to help rehabilitate him, you know, um, at the time. That's amazing, uh, man. Wow. So I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah, it was pretty looking back on it, you know, it's, it's crazy to think about, but yeah. Um, it's heavy stuff for a kid. Yeah, yeah, dude. And, um, the one thing he owned his own business and stuff and he saw how much I love paintball and he was like, you know, I, I know that you want to do a lot with this and I really appreciate you. I know we're not even blood and stuff, but like you doing this, like, I want to help you out as much as possible. Like whatever you need a help with, I got you. So he would give me an allowance to be able to go to California with Daryl every weekend, drive out, you know, and just experience it and get better and just follow my dream at that point, you know, cause that like, I would say, you know, pretty early on, I was like, I want to be a professional paintball player. I saw it on ESPN, uh, you know, heroes for a day impacted my life, like no other. And I was just like, I want to do this. I don't care what needs to happen, but I'm going to do this. Uh, mm-hmm. And, um, how long have you been playing when you realized that? Shit, a couple months whenever, uh, yeah. honestly, I think it was kind of ingrained. Like it started, uh, to to bloom in my mind when I was watching it on Sports Center on ESPN. And then when I saw Heroes for a Day of that really broke down the process of like what this is what it's like to have a team. This is what it's like to travel with these guys. This is what it's like to have tournament or you know turnovers and how you know antics at tournaments and practice and preparation. Like it broke down everything. So I, I suggest any players that are wondering like what the deal is um, in a, in a way, like go watch heroes for a day like that, like that to me was my Bible and that really broke it down of like, okay, well, this is how you go about it. This is how you, you got to train and do this. And yeah. so it was pretty early on. It was, I mean, cause I made sacrifices right away for it. You know, I just, I was like, this is what I want to do. And there, there weren't those resources in Arizona. And I remember mm-hmm. the day, because I used to watch those like uh, Raza videos, like uh, Stealth Media, uh, like the Soldier yeah. Boy Aftermath video playing Entourage and all that. And like, <laughs> the, like the old school Raza days that I never got to experience, but only as like a viewer. So I'm like, yeah, okay, that's, where I, that's where I need to be. This is what I need to do. This is, I just got to do it. So how, by, by any means necessary. Dude, that's my coach. Todd. Timar. <laughs> he's the he's the man, Timar. Yeah, he cash is the man. money. <laughs> so, so yeah, pretty, pretty rad, early dude. on. Yeah, early on I really got going. And um Yeah, so yeah, end of two thousand eight broke, you know, split with ghetto smurfs, and then from there uh had a couple options. Um Velocity Wrecking Crew, um didn't really want me at the time because I was a big boy. I was like 250, 260. So I, I was uh I was pretty big. And um I was still athletic, but obviously like I, I think it's just subconscious. And it also there is weight to it, no pun intended, but uh yeah, if you see somebody that's big, you discount them. I I think that's just the way it is. I for whatever reason. Um one, because it is unhealthy to be as big as I was. And two, like, it's just, it doesn't fit the um, the imagery of what you would feel. Because I think we all have, 
you know, we look at somebody and be like, yeah, that guy's athletic. That guy can do it. That guy has style and stuff. But I, I wasn't any of those, but I could play on the field. I had really good gun skills and I knew how to maneuver. So it was this constant thing of like, I would, you know, we'd go out and practice them like VWC or velocity wrecking crew. And, you know, I'd have good points against them, but I would do things that would be like, oh, that guy's cheating. Like, they, that guy can't do that. So they, they had in their mind that I was a cheater and didn't really have the skill that I had. So it was this constant thing of like, kept knocking on the door. Yo, can I come? And nah, man, party's not for you. And then uh, ended up playing with Palm Beach Vipers for the first event of 2009. Um, funny enough, uh, they were doing an open tryout. So me and my buddy David flew out to Florida uh, we're talking with Ken and ended up playing on like a division two team, Palm Beach Vipers Black, kind of a throw together of all the tryouts and stuff and um, competed. And actually a funny um, I think Jesse Stevens was on that team. Oh, wow. No way. Yeah. I, I don't, I remember this guy, Mike Moody, he would talk about Jesse and I'm pretty sure he was, I'd have to go back. Some of these things are fuzzy. It's been so long, you know, mm-hmm. But I, I think Jesse was on the team. I, I could be completely wrong, though. Um, but we played uh, the 2009 Phoenix event in D2. Got, uh, we got last place. Got dead last. And, um, you know. It's hard so, to do. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. So we got dead last. And then I hit up. Um, actually, I didn't hit up this time. Finally, they reached out. But. Velocity Wrecking Crew was going through some turnover and I guess they had watched me play and they're like, all right, you know, we need a player, you know, for these next tournaments. So then I finally got the opportunity to go out to California and not just watch or like practice them, but play with them. And the badass part about that is we got to play the Ironman a lot. Mm, Nice. And even if we didn't play them, we got to watch watch them play dynasty you know and do all that so yeah all of 2009 every weekend and i I, i'm not bullshitting like every single weekend like what are there 54 55 weeks in a year or 52 something like that 52 i i went over 40 i went over 45 weekends driving out to california wow daryl and i would go back and forth so the way it would go down is we leave friday morning Six hours, get there, set up the field either Friday late afternoon or early Saturday morning for the Ironman. Watch Ironman do their thing all day on Saturday for the most part. They're playing like, you know, Dynasty or whoever they might be playing Infamous. And then at the end of the day, maybe get a couple points in or just get in between sets. Same thing on Sunday. Then we tear down the field and then drive back. And then the week would go by and do the same thing over again. So it's like, and how, how long did you do that for? Shit. Like a year, two years, basically 2000, <laughs> 2009 to, uh, 2010. So probably about a year and a half, yeah. two years maybe. Cause I moved to California late 2010. So about how, a year and a half. How pivotal was that for your like your development, how pivotal was it to see, you know, that kind of paintball and um, be able to to digest that kind of gameplay for you? So have you guys ever been, besides paintball, have you ever 
been in environments where you got to be around true professionals at their craft on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, I I know you guys would have had to picked up like, yeah, okay. So it kind of demystifies things, right? You're always constantly in your head, like, how do I do this and stuff? And then you get around the greatest and you guys did it in paintball. Like, I think the reason you guys had success early on is because you had that around you, right? It's like, if you go into Mm -hmm. a system that's already successful, they kind of mold you in a way to be great out the gate. And it helps, um, it helps you not waste time mucking around with, you know, things that aren't right. You don't develop bad habits. Um, you learn the game properly and, you know, learning from a professional. So, you know, I was fortunate yeah. that I was able Who to get you're surrounded with is so on oh, that too, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Rod. Yeah. Who you're surrounded with is so important no matter what it is, you know? And so of course we talk about it frequently, man, who we were able to grow up in the game with totally expedited the entire process, you know, made, made the path wide open for us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's actually one of the funny things about music and why I feel we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that later, but get yourself Mm -hmm. surrounded by greatness right out the gate, search for it. And honestly, now that's the age of the internet, it's there. And what you guys do with BKI and um, just other, you know, programs that are available and the fact that you can literally DM somebody be like, yo, what up? (laughs) How do I do this? And sometimes, you know, they'll Mm -hmm. respond and sometimes they won't. And, you know, you're, you have access to that. So yeah, the sooner that you can get around people that know what they're doing at a professional, and I mean, professional level, like, you know, it's not bad. You always should be around people that are better than you. But if you can get to the guys that are doing it, and that where you want to be, that's ideal. Because then you cut out a lot of the, you know, the stuff in between. So yeah, Tyler, that it was huge. Like I attribute, I mean, almost everything to that. Because if I would have stayed in Arizona, I would have probably been like, a, yeah, just like a T3, D2 player. Yeah. Just, and it wasn't, it wasn't easy. It wasn't, it wasn't uh, something that you just got to, you know, go and and run around the corner and see the top players in the world you you worked really hard and you even set up the field you know for them to play on and would get would get points in when you could and all that kind of stuff but i guess the point that i'm trying to make is that you sacrificed a lot man that's a lot of weekends to have the drive and determination to position yourself in the right area in order to learn and get noticed and give yourself the best chance at this thing it didn't just happen for you you were creating the process for yourself, you know? Yeah. And you know, for better, or for worse, like I had tunnel vision. Like yeah. if I wasn't, if I wasn't the best at that and if I didn't get a chance to play professionally, nothing else mattered. Like I had no other interest. And I, I think that's just part of my personality, personality and complex is um, for better or for worse. I'm very in the moment and I'm very um, driven to do the things that I love to do. I've, for whatever reason, been that way my entire life, like to the point of probably unhealthy obsession of like how much I go after something that I want. And mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, that's just me. You know, I, I think it's affected well, it me. Well, it seems to have of, worked out for you. I think yeah, uh, you're doing pretty yeah. damn well. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the paintball regard for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So as I've gotten older, I've realized balance is super important. Like 
going back to what we were talking about earlier, because too much is too much is something and can definitely, you know, leave holes elsewhere that, um, you know, definitely sometimes need to be filled or painful to fill (laughs) later on in life. But that's a, that's a huge, yeah. No, go ahead, Tyler. It's a huge subject. It's just a huge subject topic that you're, you're hitting on there. You know, you, you invest, it's like, uh, maybe a parent that, that works insanely hard and then never sees their children. You know, it's like, yeah, you're, you're, you're filling this Avenue and all these things, but, but then maybe there's some things that you're missing. And I think that you're hitting on it. There's like too much of anything is almost a bad thing. You have to have balance and, and you can't, you know, get too deep into anything. You have to stay, stay balanced with, uh, with all the different levels of life. Cause there's so many different things going on in life, um, on personal business and, and with friends and, and all the different things. But, um, it, it's a really hard thing to juggle. And, and I think it's a pretty common thing that, that all of us, you know, go through trying to navigate, which is, which is pretty difficult. Yeah. 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 You definitely hit it on the head. So, mm-hmm. yeah, man, the, um, where was I? I think we were uh, entering your, your your time with Wrecking Crew. I think we're in 2010, getting uh, into where things really started to take off for you, uh, heading into that 2012 season with the Ironman, which I think was your first season with them, right? It was, yeah. So mm-hmm. it's funny, funny story leading up to that. Um, so 2009, <laughs> it's pretty pretty lackluster, but I feel those were my formative years of just being around professionals on a regular basis, like, you know, regular basis and, um, got to learn a lot. And, um, towards the end of 2009, um, me, I have to give three people props and actually Marcelo, um, you're one of them. Um, I wouldn't say it wasn't as involved as the other ones, but it was definitely something that resonated with me because we had a conversation about just losing weight and stuff. And you had mentioned something in passing and I'm like, Oh shit, cool. Um, don't know if you even remember. It was like, just one of the, you know, like you have conversations sometimes at the field and you say something and then you're on to the next thing. You don't really put much weight on it, but you never know well, how much impact that could have for somebody else. Rod, I don't know if you remember this, but when I got, when I came back to the Ironman in 2013 and this was after you, this was now your second season. You came onto the scene. You were known for running through the center of the field at that point, right? Like that was your specialty and you're really good at it. Like you were, you were a bowling ball. Skinny Kevin used you in a, in a, as a tool that would just kind of go clean up teams. I didn't recognize you because you, you had lost a ton of weight, but I don't know if you remember this part. You are, you pulled me aside and reminded me of that conversation at Velocity and I was blown away that one, it was, it was you because I did remember the conversation we had. I, I just, to me, there were two different people, you know, that, that were standing yeah. in front of me and seeing that was like, man, that's a, a, a huge feat that you tackled and accomplished. And to see you playing the way you were playing and also be teammates with you in that moment was really cool. It really was. Yeah, dude. And, um, no, man, that, um, that conversation, you know, changed my life and, you know, Nikki Cuba and uh, Miko, uh, I'm not really great at pronouncing his last name, Hootenin or Howard. Hootenin, yeah, dude, Miko, man, love that guy. And Nikki, such, such phenomenal people. 
I remember, dude, because uh, Nicky had always, like, he was the guy that I could go up to at any point and ask a question. He would run it down for me. And Miko, <laughs> dude, it was tight. He was uh, like, hey, Rod, really fat, but you're really good. <laughs> so you need to lose weight, and I think you'll have a future in this sport. Just dry, <laughs> cut. <laughs> um, really fat, um, but really good. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, shit, you're right. <laughs> and um, he had got me, him and Nikki had got me on like, you know, a meal plan and stuff. And um, I would, I would semi follow it, um, you know, because at the end of 2009, I think I got up to 260, 270. And I remember the turning point for me was I got shin splints like in the off season from like running and stuff. And I was just like, holy shit, this is, this is the worst. Like I, I need to figure this out. And especially like when you have people that are at the top telling you this, um, it has weight to it, you know, like right. somebody says you have potential, you know, you believe it, but when other people validate it, especially professionals, you're like, okay, shit. All right. You know, cause I'm a constant overthinker and <laughs> You know, I, for better, for worse, probably don't give myself enough credit sometimes and work myself to death and then maybe work backwards. Actually, I do know I work backwards and a lot of things, but, um, it's, you know, when you aren't, when you're confident in yourself, but you're also not overconfident or extremely confident, you're always second guessing and should I be doing this? Does this work? Okay. It worked, but will it work this time? When you have somebody there, it's like, yo, stay the course, lose weight. You're going to have a bright future. It gives you the most confidence in the world of like, okay, tight. This is something I need to put in this work to do this. Cause yeah, it was weird. As, as much as I worked hard in certain respects, I was also very, very lazy and, um, un, unattending to other parts of my life. So my personal health, you know, I would go to practice do that, be sore, and then go home and play Call of Duty and eat Totino's pizza rolls on the regular. And it was yeah. just, you know, just overindulging, you know, very, very badly. So mm-hmm. they helped me change that. So like, yeah, you guys, you know, the three of you helped kind of steer me in the right direction and probably saved my life to a point because like being that overweight and just not taking care of myself, fuck. I was still that big. Yeah. Um, it's bad. What was but. one of the biggest things that you changed? Um, was it like, did you do some workouts or, or like, how did you navigate, you know, changing your body style to be a better paintball player? Uh, to tell you the truth, I didn't, I mean, I would go on runs and stuff, but I never was really big into fitness. Um, mm-hmm. I would do like push ups and stuff, but the main thing was diet. Yeah. I pretty much, I changed my diet. I think my day consisted of, I wonder, I could probably go through my emails and see the exact email that he sent me with the meal plan. I don't know if I still have it, but I remember he sent it to me, but uh, it was like skim milk and cereal, like grains. So what I did was special K in the morning with a whole, uh, skim milk. I'd have a bowl of that and then maybe some like fruit or something in between. And then um, like a turkey sandwich with spinach, but no like crap on it. Um, 
some more um like another bowl of cereal and stuff and then like another another sandwich at night or like you know cooking you know like chicken and rice and vegetables and stuff so a very very bland but effective diet i mean at that point anything would have been better than what i was eating you know i was literally binge eating on like whole pizzas like pizza pretty much anything pizza related like that was my jam so um yeah i was yeah. just i mean i'm I right there pizza. with you brother <laughs> yeah you know you know this whole foods two slices of pizza and kombucha <laughs> yeah so uh dude pizza game. yeah treat yourself yeah. baby <laughs> yeah man so yeah. i I, I learned I learned how to find a better balance. And that's actually something I still struggle with to this day. You know, I've had my weight fluctuations from mm-hmm. stress and just life in general. So it's not something I'm not over the hill. And I don't think I'll ever be over the hill. I think it's a constant thing that I have to battle. Um, because just the way that my mind works for whatever reason, whether it's a reward or um whether it's um just indulging through sadness or just indulging to indulge. But I do have an unhealthy vice when it does come to food. And I've recognized that about myself. And it's um, for anybody out there who, you know, maybe you do have something similar. The only thing I can say is it, you learn how to cope with it, but it never goes away. And it's just, you're constantly having to fight Mm -hmm. and realign with it, you know? And, um, I was fortunate that I was able to conquer that, you know, as best as I could at the time and was able to lose quite a bit of weight, you know, in a year. So I think I lost uh, about 90 pounds from like the end of 2009 to the end of 2010. So in about a year, 90 pounds just from, you know, Uh kind of dedicating to myself. And I wasn't, I mean, I was, I I wasn't strict, but I just wouldn't let myself eat big portions. So like if I did eat badly, I Dude, would. That's, that's so awesome, man. Yeah, I would try instead of eating a whole pizza. Good I would for eat you, half. Rod. Yeah, I mean, dude, honestly, it would. And just know, like, yeah, paintball is amazing. You have we have a community that like we are rooting for you. You know what I'm saying? Like the paintball community is such an uplifting space to come into because. It helps you on so many different levels, mentally, physically, um, you know, with relationships with new friends. And I know, you know, all of us, our lives have been changed by paintball. And I'm sure there was people rooting you on in paintball as well, like you're saying, and and supporting you. And just know anybody out there listening, we are rooting for you. Like, we want you to win. We want you to succeed. So just keep fighting and keep working hard because there are bright, bright days coming for everybody out there, whoever's going through anything. Dude, 100%, man. Like it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's heavy when you think about, I mean, things. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure that with every good experience that you've had, I'm sure that you guys have had your fair share of darkness as well. And I think everybody does. And it's just super important to put yourself out there. And, um, Mm -hmm. somehow, somehow it works out to where you meet incredible people that, um, really, don't need to have your back they don't need to look out for your best interests but they choose to and i think that's the the great thing about humanity you know that's very um i've been very fortunate to have great people in my circle you know whether i've recognized it in the moment or not but you know i've had amazing people you know have my back 
for whatever reason. And I'm extremely thankful. So when did, uh, I know Victor Gamboa is a part of your story as well. (laughs) When did Vic come into the story at what point? Cause he's such a legend in Arizona for paintball and, and everything like that. 2015 actually is a very big reason that I even got on Dynasty to begin with after the Ironman. So yeah, Victor's Victor's had my Amazing. corner, and he's one of the one of the best dudes that I know, and somebody I hold in high regard. And honestly, um, I think kind of like myself, he's misunderstood to a point. And it would be great if you guys got him on the podcast, mm-hmm. you know, because I, I do I hear well, what people actually. Funny he's coming enough, on. <laughs> All of a sudden, I see another name popped out here. It's mm-hmm. Victor. Like, what up? Oh, that'd be cool. Here's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got him calling in right now. Yeah. yeah. Actually, that'd be, you know, if the technology was there, it'd be cool if, like, you could phone people in here and there. It'd just be interesting. But um, so I think, I think that is an option with this platform. We're, we're, we're learning. Yeah. It would be kind of cool have people call in. We got to get fancy with it. Or we yeah, can just we have them on the I, phone and just put them on the mic. True. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we could pull uh, we could pull the old spick and span show maneuver and just get them out <laughs> on the old iPad. I, the uh, I know that uh, you guys are heavy into Discord, which it sounds like is great. I need to get more into Discord. I, I'm more of a yes. Reddit dude, but um, I think Discord is probably a yeah. great way to have community. But um, I was telling Marcelo before the show, like you can do a lot of this through Discord, and and I think that. Um, you could get really involved with it however you guys feel, but yeah, Discord's Discord's tight. I really need to mm-hmm. I need to delve into it more for sure. Discord Our, is the business. Yeah. It, it is. is so awesome. It has everything. It's so cool. Yeah, we've been building a great little community uh, for all of our Patreon supporters. They have access to the Discord, and it's just an awesome group in there, man. Like they're talking about putting teams together to play different ten man events. They're constantly boosting each other. You know, we talk about all sorts of stuff in there in in regards to upcoming events and things like that. It's, I, I, dude, I'm blown away because I've I've been in in uh, a trading Discord with with Kyle for a couple months now. Oh, you're in there. I never. Damn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in, I'm in there good. too. That's um, good. And. and and I never really understood all the features that that you can use in it, right? And and uh, Tyler actually put us on with the Discord. It was like, dude, we got to get this for our for our supporters. It's awesome. They're gonna love it. And I was like, yeah, okay, it's kind of cool. <laughs> I, I love it. I just sit there and hang out on the Discord with, yeah. with our, our community, <laughs> dude. It's it's badass. It's like it's so cool. So it's the best ever. The Discord is yeah. popping off, and we even do like these little. Uh, voice chats you know or if you know mm-hmm. a layout comes out we'll just tap in with our community and, and talk with them and and we all kind of hang out in there um, so it's been really special to build that up and we're super grateful for everybody out there who is continuously supporting the show thank you guys dude Absolutely. don't don't take that for granted because i know it's the journey that i'm going on with music right now it's um it's amazing to have those communities and resources to have like i've been very fortunate that i've had um, very successful people in music that I can bounce ideas off of that I can either speak with on a regular basis or potentially hire and have sessions to where I learn things very quickly. And, you know, Reddit, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a late Redditor, but, uh, Reddit changed the game for me of being able to deep dive into a lot of subjects and, um, discords the same way. So, um, yeah, I guess, you know, it goes both ways, but yeah, Discord is an amazing platform and I'm glad that you guys have had the success and continued success that you guys are having with this because, you know, as um, 
some well aware of, starting your own venture is very difficult, regardless of the platform. And it has its own logistical things that you have to run into um, from time and time, you know, actually all the time. And the fact that, you know, you guys are 90-ish episodes deep, almost to 100, I think, um, that you've been able to continue yeah. the momentum. Uh, this is your 90, bro. You're 90. 90. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Um, yeah, baby. So the fact that you guys are able to do this and that you guys continue to do this, like if I were, mm. if I were up and coming right now, I would probably, cause I've done the same on other podcasts for like producers that I, uh, Im- Im- like admired, um, and just deep dived and listened to hours and hours upon references and materials. But if I were, um, serious about paintball in any type of way, like, you know, if I was coming up right now, I would just deep dive the hell out of your guys' shows because what you guys are doing is <laughs> you're literally cataloging the best minds within the game for everybody mm-hmm. and it's just it's not you know, they don't even have to pay for it they just need a spotify subscription or whatever and <laughs> honestly i i don't think people realize how valuable this is um but it should it's it's worth its weight in gold if you take this game seriously and you want to progress and by all means you know like if you have it you know i tyler you have a family marcel you're you know an owner of property and, you know, like, I know every dollar counts, you know, support these dudes, like, just because they're professional paintball players does not mean that they are loaded by any means. And they put a lot of hours and time that could be spent elsewhere, you know, and time is ex- extremely valuable. So, man, if you support these dudes, like, dude, support them. Like, if you have an extra dollar, send it their way. Like, they're bringing you literally I mean, shit, they're, they're, they're bringing you everything that you pretty much need for the mental side of things to really understand personalities of the game. So dude, timestamp, timestamp in that, we got that, we're using that for a sound clip. That's going to be ran on Facebook ads, everything. (laughs) No, thank you, Rod. Seriously, bro. You guys, you guys seriously deserve it, man. And I I think there's a lot more people in the game. I I just, money sucks. Um, It's a necessary evil for whatever for whatever reason, we could probably deep dive that subject, but, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know what, like it's, it's necessary. And unfortunately it's a means of survival in today's world. So the fact that you're able to get content, like help these dudes out, even just by listening and just, yeah. Well, dude, Rod, honestly, we're, we're stoked. We have some amazing supporters. We have great sponsors of the show, which has been so fantastic. And, and, even before the episode, we were talking to you about different ways we can reinvest some of that money into getting better mics. We were, we're constantly trying to find ways to make the show better and to, you know, bring on better guests and to like continuously, you know, paintball's amazing. We want to continue to bring obviously the top level paintball players, but like think about, you know, being able to capture great minds outside of paintball as well. You know, that's obviously something we want to be able to do for our listeners because just mindset is, it doesn't really matter what you do. Successful people all share a similar mindset. So yeah. um, really the, the, the opportunity is endless with, with play the game. And that was kind of the goal from the beginning. And um, we're incredibly excited to just continuously try to grow this thing. And, and the supporters mean, mean everything they truly do. And they, they assist in that journey. So. And I just want to say one thing. We are so grateful for this process and this experience. I mean, it has been 
such a uh, amazing time frame in the year and a half or whatever that we've been able to do this and just talk with everybody and connect with the community. Um, you know, the monetary means nothing to the process of this and what it provides to us as people and paintball players in a community. You know, it's it's all for the community and for the culture. That's been our motto. Um, so we're just super humbled by the whole process and super grateful to be able to even have this opportunity. And thank you, bro, for the kind words. It means the world to us because we do, we pour our heart and soul into this thing and we just want to, you know, we want to provide value um, for the paintball community and just keep boosting the the paintball world to the moon. That's the motto. No, you, to the moon, you guys, baby. <laughs> you can definitely tell. You can definitely tell. And yeah. um, actually, just thinking about it, man, Play the Game is a really, really good name because it's, <laughs> it's multifaceted if you think about it. And it doesn't just pigeonhole you into paintball. So I'm excited to see the yeah. endeavors that come out of it, you know, in the future. Indeed. Yes, sir. It's going to be fun. We're excited. And we, we actually, you know, we have a Play the Game podcast and we also own Play the Game Paintball. Um, so we, we're excited for, you know, just the future of paintball and podcasting and connecting with great minds, like, uh, Marcelo said, and just having fun, you know, and connecting with everybody. Oh yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, brother. All right, Rod, let's, uh, let's dive back in, dude. I, I love the, I love the sidestep and the tangents, but let's get mm-hmm. back into some, some lineage of, of, uh, how you came to get into, you know, your opportunity with the Ironman become yeah. the, the known as a bully on the pro scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So end of 2010, I had gotten down. I remember the last WCPPL event that I had played. Um, I didn't compete in PSP in 2010. Um, I just kept it WCPPLs um, for whatever reason. Uh, you know, actually at that point, um, oh, I remember why. Because um, I... Between 2009 and 2010, um, some stuff had happened um, in my stepdad's personal life. Uh, he had met a new um, girl, and I remember she did not. She felt every time that he was with me, um, it reminded him of my mom, and she got really inse- like insecure about stuff. So, um, unfortunately, my relationship with my stepdad had dwindled. Um, and ended up moving in with my mom and she, funny enough, I mean, well, not funny enough, but, um, I went from having the allowance to do paintball and, um, do those things to basically having nothing, um, to where my mom was working three jobs just in order to put a roof over our heads and, um, I was playing paintball, but I w- it was literally like one of those things. Like I'd go to Coinstar this week to buy a case of paint. I would um, get like a side job for you know however long to you know get gas to go out to California. So it went from you know the monetary thing basically vanishing, and um, I think also that helped me lose weight as well because I it was so bad like I couldn't really afford to eat. Um, out or like regularly so i I, i'm actually thankful for it because i went from like a you know a media um like um you know somewhat wealthy to absolutely like nothing overnight Mm. and having to deal with that uh just you know like really one made me appreciate things more but then 
made me start thinking creatively of like, well, how, how am I able to keep affording to do this thing? How, how can I stay at it? And, uh, I remember 2010 was an extremely hard year, um, just money wise. So I would flip paintball gear, um, other side ventures and then, um, things upon that nature, just to just barely stay afloat. And I remember at the end of 2010, uh, we had a practice up at Sacramento at, uh, Dave's field, Capital Edge Paintball Park. And, um, Mm-hmm. We we were playing like Fusion or somebody like that. I don't know. Some divisional team. And it was me, my buddy, uh, Brandon York, and then my um, my late buddy, uh, Zach Zerfus. Uh, a lot of people in the paintball community know him as Gator. Um, played on Wolfpack and stuff. And um, another buddy, uh, Ruben Castro, who was on the team. And we didn't want to go home. After this practice, we didn't want to go back to Arizona and they all flew out from the East Coast and stuff. And we're like, man, eh, we'll stay in California, but where do we go? And Ruben's like, I got a pad. So I'm like, all right. So we go down to Riverside, stay a couple weeks there, broke as hell. <laughs> like, seriously, just stupid broke. Like, luckily, Ruben's family would feed us and everything. And, um, just I was thinking about it and then it hit me. I'm like, man, I got an uncle that lives in Long Beach. I think he does like construction or something. Um, let me hit him up and see like if we can go work or something, just make some money. Cause like when I say we we're broke, like collectively we probably had like 20 bucks to our names and it was just bad. But uh called my uncle and he's like, yeah, wow. you know, come on out. And he, uh, I'd asked my mom, you know, I told her, Hey, I know things are tight, but like I need to get out to Long Beach, I need to get an Amtrak ticket. So she sent me like 40, 50 bucks um, for the ticket. And then they asked their family. So um, went to Long Beach and then I uh, stayed with my uncle in his studio apartment. So like I slept in a chair and they slept on like some deflated air mattresses. And then from there we were working and stuff. And I'm like, man, California is actually like pretty cool. Like it'd be awesome to live it out here. Cause at the time I was still going back and forth between Phoenix and California and, um, so at the end of 2010 made a pact in like October, we'd all go back to our home States and then come back out again. And we would, uh, work and just get an apartment and just play paintball and stuff. And, um, that was the plan. So went back, I came back and I actually finally moved out and, um, for whatever reason, you know, for reasons of, you know impregnating girls and other things uh other the the homies weren't able to come out you know and Mm. they um and honestly probably for my homie brandon who has like the sweetest daughter bailey um it's probably like the best best blessing in disguise for him so at the time it was kind of heavy to take but like man she's just wonderful and i'm glad that that happened and you know the route that he uh went because of it you know Mm because i mean shit the gift of life and just having a family, even though if it's not with who you want to have it with, or just in the way that it works out, just the fact that, you know, and I'm sure Tyler, you know, this Mm. much more than I do. um, Just having kids, you know, Mm -hmm. it's amazing. Like I can't even, I can't even think about it. Like, it's just, it's mind blowing. Like it is. It's surreal. It's completely surreal. Yeah. So I came back out and, um, you know, I, I got down to like, I was like 200 pounds, played like the last WCPPL. And then it was like the off season. 
but then um the wrecking crew like disbanded like there just wasn't any money um you know people were paying their way people were over it and then going into 2011 it was weird because i moved to california and then just where i was at in long beach i was just like right in downtown um people are familiar with the area between Belmont shore and downtown and I was skating distance from like everything. And I lived a block from the beach, you know, well, my uncle did and I was pretty much just crashing his pad. Um, so I'd wake up in the morning, skate experience like California on the regular of just like going to the beach, hanging out. Um, I got like a part-time job, um, busing tables at a really cool restaurant downtown and, um, started to experience other things in life that wasn't paintball. And uh, like I was 19. Yeah. I think I was 19. I just turned 19. Yeah. 19. And then I was just like, Whoa, life is sick. <laughs> like this is like, I've never experienced this any like before, like being out away from my mom, <clears throat> you know, I was with my uncle, but he didn't give two shits. Like he was at work and I'd go help him work or like, I would just be by myself. But it was like this kid and this amazing just situation of like being broke, but just having, you know, an awesome area to live and just experience. It was just mind blowing to me. And I made the decision actually. I, um, I, I kind of lost hope on paintball at the time I remember. And this was also the time that I, uh, I was getting into music, you know, I'd played guitar and stuff, kind of like whatever. But then like, I remember I, um, I was listening to, I forgot who I was listening to, but I'm like, I want to learn this. And I learned it and it felt so good to play. Like it was like this feeling that I've never had before in my life. And mm. I'm like, man, I gotta, I gotta figure this music thing out. Like, this is dope. Like, I don't know what, like I'm in California. I would love to start a reggae. Like there's all these thoughts that came to mind. I'm like, I want to do this. So I, yeah. I quit paintball at the end of 2010 going to 2011 and just lived life. You know, I got a job to make some side money and then um, I was just studying music. So pretty much everything that I put into paintball, I was putting into music and just um, got a lot better at playing guitar, learned music theory, um, taught myself a lot of different things that actually really set a good foundation for me. And um, midway through 2011, I was doing my thing, happy as can be. Honestly, like I was, I remember those years, they were like the greatest um, in my early, late teens, early 20s. And because um, also I was, I'd lost a lot of weight. So, you know, like was able to actually like start hanging out with girls and like actually forming, you know, those were my formative years because, you know, growing up really big and secure and all that, like just, I never had those relationships. You know, so I was actually able to start experiencing that and it was a lot of fun. And then um, from there, I uh, got a call from, uh, actually, they play on DMG now and I'm super, I, I don't really get a chance to tell them this. You know, I, I have this weird thing with like competition um, and usually when we're ever like practicing and stuff, you know, like it's it's game time. So you never really let people, well, at least I don't. Um, let yeah. them know how you feel about them, but the Boyan brothers on DMG, super proud of those guys, man. Like, I don't mm -hmm. like, they would be great guys to get on the podcast just because people don't know their story and what they put in to get where they're at. Um, those guys are the shit and they actually hit me up midway through 2011. They're like, yo bro, like 
um, are you doing anything? You want to play this WCPPL? Everything will be paid for. And I'm like, I don't, I think I have a gun, but I don't really have gear. Sold everything. Like, oh, don't worry about that, man. We got extra stuff. So I went from, um, yeah, not playing paintball at all. And they hit me up and it was funny because Rainey was on that team. Danny Park was on that team. Alex Gray, he played on Uprising for a little bit, but he was my homie on New School. We had a cool squad. And then like the NorCal guys, um, um, just Davis Ambush uh, was the team name. And so they invited me to play this WCPPL and we got shit stomped. <laughs> and uh, it was a lot of fun though. Um, <laughs> I was, it, was, it was really cool because like, you know, I hadn't been playing paintball, but I was down to like 180 right so i was light as hell nice. and i was just dude i was running around like playing the snake just doing all these things i've never been able to do and i'm like wow this is cool this is fun but um mm-hmm. you know i had a fun event but i was super stoked on what i was doing so i i was like all right that was fun got back to it and um the rest of 2011 went by just kind of living life, doing, you know, music stuff, uh, but nothing of any profession, just really trying to cultivate. Um, and then at the end of 2011, I would say like September, September, October, I got a call um, from uh, Eric Humphreys. Uh, I played on Wrecking Crew with him and he's like, yo, bro, what you doing? I'm like, chilling. What you doing? And he's like, man, come out this weekend. Let's have some fun. I'm like, all right you know what? Cool. I'll, I'll have a weekend. And, uh, my buddy, David, uh, from ghetto Smurfs, he moved out to California at the time. Like, Hey, let's go down and, you know, let's play a weekend of paintball. Turns out this weekend of paintball was a practice for world cup against dynasty at Camp Pendleton. <laughs> and, uh, I had no idea. So I show up and it's like, it's practice time. It's like game mode. And, you know, I, I'm kind of the same way now. Um, when I, when it's not like in season or if I'm not focused on paintball, I'm completely out of the loop. I don't know what's going on. I don't follow the news. Like if somebody tells me something, oh, cool. But besides that, I don't stay in the loop as well as I could or should. And I was the same way back then, even worse. But, um, you know, like the Ironman was like the 2011, 2012 Ironman. Um, so you had like Ryan Martin, um, LJ, um, Brandon Short, Kyle Spicka, um, and other players. And that was the year Rainey. Well, I think Rainey came later on. I think he came midway through 2012, I think. And um, I kind of showed up and I didn't really, like I had no intention of doing anything except for to play. Like I thought it was going to be a fun weekend of paintball. So they threw me out there and, I guess I did all right. And Skinny's like, hey, kid, um, you want to come out next weekend? I'm like, sure. Free weekend of paintball. As long as I can get a ride, I'm down. So come out the next weekend, had another good weekend. And then he's like, hey, so here's the situation. Uh, Miko might not be able to play World Cup. Uh, and if you'd like, we're going to fly you out to Florida the week early, you know, a week before. And we're going to practice during the week. And if Miko doesn't play, um, you'll get a spot. And you'll play with the Ironman Out Cup. Uh, but if he does play, you know, you'll play with um, Shane's team, uh, San Jose Royalty, you know, in D3. Um, Shane Pistana for those yeah. that don't know. And uh, so from there, I was like, okay, 
at that time, I mean, it's like, well, why not? This could be fun. Um, cause there was, there was part of me that lost a lot of love for, um, paintball for whatever reason. Um, in that 2010 season I was kind of burnt out and I never, I didn't really look at it in any type of way. I'm like, okay, I'll go and have fun. Like, we'll see how this, you know, what happens. And went out, practice with the team. Miko ended up playing. So, um, I ended up playing D3, but it was a blast. Like it was such a different environment. Cause now it was like, you know, the game, I think the game changes every year. So that year off kind of was like coming back. I was like, Oh, this is kind of cool. Like, you know, the vibe's a little bit different. And I was, you know, especially practicing with the Ironman, not against them, but with them. And, you know, playing these teams with these types of players, I'm like, wow, this is actually pretty fun. Mm-hmm. And we, I played D3 at Cup. And then the offseason went by. And I didn't really talk with the guys much. Like, I, I was in the group chat. But, you know, sometimes group chats go quiet in the offseason. And February starting to roll around. And Skinny hit me up. And he's like, hey, uh, so you down to play this year? And I'm like, actually, yeah. I'm down. And he's like, okay, so we're going to give you, here's the deal. You're going to get a gun in event and uh, you'll get it at every event to sell. You have a gun to use the entire time and, you know, whatever equipment you need. So I was like, all right, tight. And he's like, are you good on a ride? And I'm like, I don't have a car, but I'll take the train if I need to or the Greyhound. So what I would do is, yeah, just take the Greyhound down, the Amtrak down or whatever, whatever I need to do to get down to practice. And started practicing for the 2012 season and then really was like, okay, this is tight because I went from, yeah, being an overweight kid playing to like, you know, I was a lot lighter on my feet and, you know, competing. And I was just like, this is sick. Like I'm Mm -hmm. doing, I'm like, it's like I leveled up. Like, you know, I I was always competitive, but I was really big, but now it's like, yeah. And it was like, Mm -hmm. you know, my gun skills and stuff, I was just like, you know it was kind of this weird thing of like because i put so much work in like i'd done one ball snapping and dodgeball so many times that like i had good gun skills but then doing it against the best players in the world and usually coming out on top i i had this confidence especially since i lost a lot of weight i'm like damn dude i think i can be really good at this like i think i can really do something special here you know just for me if anything but you know so i was a very um I was really excited about it. And, you know, the fact that I was getting paid in guns to play paintball and it was really wasn't a, um, it wasn't a headache. It was like, I didn't have to sign anything. It was, you know, word of mouth agreement and the team was cool. I was the youngest, you know, so being around like Paxson and short and all those guys, you know, there's definitely some uh, colorful stories there, you know, especially after tournaments. And, but, you know, it was like this cool thing of like, man, I'm learning, you know, I'm learning from all these guys that are older than me and they're kind of, I get to see these things about where they're at in their life and, you know, kind of not only just through paintball, but just like off the field, like experiencing life in a very, very cool way. So, yeah, it's a brotherhood or a sisterhood, however you want to put it, you know, for all the ladies out there that have teams, um, it's, you get to bounce off of each other and really see an inside scoop of other people's lives, which is, you know, we don't, you know, typically in business or in the in the normal, you know, rigmarole of life, you don't really get those big inside scoops on what everybody's doing in their lives. But when you're a part of a team and a paintball team in particular, you get to really see what's going on with everybody, which is cool. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're yeah. not 
I mean, I think we've all worked regular jobs and it's like, you're not going to rip it with your coworkers most of the time after <laughs> your shift's done. And, you know, yeah. just traveling to other states and sometimes other countries. Dude, yeah. this is, yeah, it's, it's unreal what we do. And uh, it is. Yeah. So 2012, um, I, uh, yeah, like you said earlier, Skinny picked me up to be a missile. Just, yep. s- just send it. And, uh, um, you know, I actually, didn't get a- this actually is perfect because one of our, uh, one of our supporters from Patreon was yeah. wondering if, um, his name is Stu704. Do you remember your first big signature run through the middle? And if so, uh, what was it? He said that lots of his favorite ones for, were from 2014 Ironman days. So it's kind of goes hand in hand oh, with yeah. this question here. Um, in the well, I guess he's not here to answer it. Um, mm-hmm. but I was going to say professionally or like just in general because uh, just your first big like run through the middle is what he's wondering if you remember that. Like when you first were like, Gosh. okay, I can just run through the middle and get everybody. Here we go. <laughs> Funny story. It wasn't that 2012 season. It had to be because I remember a big one that year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, this actually could be um, something I wanted to touch upon. So actually it kind of goes hand in hand. But uh, what I used to do, um, it was weird how I came across this. But um, one weekend, because normally when I would go out and play, I wouldn't do open play. It was all drills. Like I thought open play was pretty whack and just it was, I guess, fun. But wasn't productive to me, um, becoming better, um, fundamentally. So I'd always work on fundamentals, but for whatever reason, this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, I went out to Florida Adobe when I still lived out in Arizona. So this is before California, but I told myself, I'm like, I'm gonna run through the break off the gate or run through off the break every single game. See what happens. And I did that every single freaking time for two days to where people knew that I was running through. They knew what the deal was. And then it was just funny because I'd get pummeled and then I'd be like, oh, this guy can look at me. So I'd stop, do a little stutter step, shoot this guy. Then I'd run through and get smoked down. And then it got to the point where it's like, I found my windows and understood how everything worked to where like, okay, so if I do this, when this happens, then I can really uh, start to cultivate these like run throughs um, just because I was never a snake player. I could play the Doritos, but the sun, like the center I've always had good vision. Cause I was a really um, when I played baseball, I was a catcher and I was really, really good. Um, actually, like I was getting scouted at like 13, like I could see the field and situations like really, really well. And that translated over to paintball to where it's like, okay, so you start in the back center or an insert bunker but you have great field vision and you're just like, okay, you shoot this guy, this guy's shooting this way, whatever. And then you could break everything apart. And especially you run through all the time. You see those micro uh, seconds, like everything slows down. You could see like, well, you choose your windows. So I remember that weekend was like, after that, I'm like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Like on the regular, like, you know, if the opportunity presents itself and then flash forward to 2012, I think Let's see. The first event was Galveston. I think I had a couple good ones in Galveston in that Phoenix event. Um, I think I what the way that Skinny played me is I never started a match 
I would usually get thrown in when we were down like three or four points. But that's when I would go off. So like I remember it was like against Infamous, I think, or whatever team, but we were down like four points and I would just, I would run it. Like I would just, <laughs> just for whatever reason, just find the windows, shoot somebody off the break and then just, um, just dissect it and um, do that. And it's just, I did a lot in practice as, as well. So Stu, I'm sorry. I don't really remember my first big one. Um, mm-hmm. I would say the biggest one was probably 2017 mm-hmm. um, with uh, Dynasty. That was a that was yeah. a good feeling, but that was the big one, massive. massive. So that was, oh yeah. So that that was fun. But besides that, um, I would say probably sometime in 2012. I know in 2013 I did quite a few, and I feel like earlier on in my career I did that a lot. I wasn't as well rounded as a player. Um, and it was, I was definitely a one dimensional player, but I was really good at it. Um, but I, um, I don't, I mean, I still do it now, but it's not, it's few and far between just because the games evolved so much and the reliance of just playing the team game. Um, you can really, you can be the hero or you can really be the reason why your team doesn't win a match when you choose to do those things. So, um, I, I I do see the opportunity a lot, but to act on it, I don't do it as much nowadays just because it's mm-hmm. not necessary a lot of the times. But yeah. And and dude, we like we've seen your journey through its entirety. So to hear you say that now, it just shows a tremendous amount of growth as a paintball player. Um, because you're right, you know, it can and it does a lot when you these games, but then there's that that microcosm of that small percentage where it does, you know, have a kind of a catastrophic effect on the overall outcome of a game. And it's hard to juggle that because especially a player like you, who's reading things so quickly um, to have the, the resilience to, to kind of not act on that is, is pretty awesome to hear you say that, you know, Um, because it, it is at the end of the day, it's all about team paintball. Um, but I know that if you take off, bro, you're getting two or three of them for sure. <laughs> but you don't, and no, and I appreciate that, man. I appreciate the fact that, you know, just you saying that it's like, it's cool to hear. And yeah, you know, that's the crazy part about this game and the level that we're at is, yeah, I might get two to three players, but if the guy next to me didn't know what I just did mm-hmm. and I drop a valuable zone, mm-hmm. then you know what? Let's say it's a five on three. I go and shoot two, three people, then it becomes a two on two or two on three. But the zone I was watching, a smart player is going to go there, shoot one or two people. So regardless if it was a great move, like it yeah. just, it doesn't serve in the long run. And I think that's probably, you know, it's one of the biggest things I'm learning on impact and, you know, I've learned on dynasty as well, but, um, but yeah, I mean, sometimes the flash, I mean, actually the majority of the time, flashy stuff isn't going to win it'll win moments um not tournaments Mm -hmm. and sometimes like in 2017 it won the moment which happened to win the tournament but Mm -hmm. that's far and few in between and yeah you need to win little moments but the bigger picture overall is ideal yeah 
So, I'm sorry, so, Stu. I don't really, I can't remember no, the that first was, big one, but that was perfect, dude. And then, um, so now I think we're in like 2013 with the Ironman. How many years were you with the Ironman? I was with the Ironman originally for three years, but I played on yeah. three different Ironman, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, first year was Skinny Kevin's Ironman, and then Hinman came um, towards the end of 2012, and uh then became the owner of the, t- uh, the coach of the team for 2013. And, um, we had, you know, players leave and then we picked up new players and that's when Marcelo and mouse and, um, Steven Pitts and like McCormick. So like pretty much like aftermath cats started coming, you know, mm-hmm. on the team, you know, cause like short had left, Kyle had left, um, I think some other yeah, they- players like quit or I don't I don't remember exactly, but basically the biggest thing was him and came, Mouse Marcelo came. So basically at the time you had, you know, the Ironman, Skinny's Ironman, and then 2013, um, him came and basically it was, you know, you know, Marcelo and uh Mouse were the the um were the big guns that came to the team. They had the most experience, they had won, you know, they were the guys, right? So they were, you know. Mm-hmm. Die as a company looks at, you know, flagship players, you know, that's their big thing. And, you know, Marcelo and Mouse were definitely the flagship of the Ironman in 2013 when they came over. So the dynamic went from skinnies and completely changed to something different in 2013, you know, just because, you know, the turnover with a new coach and, you know, when you get those types of, you know, players, you know, like it, it changes the dynamic completely. So to me, it was yeah. a brand new team. But, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and um, yeah, two thir- two thousand thirteen. I feel that for me was a big year in multiple ways. Um, it was a great year because I feel like I was really starting to come into my own, and I was getting a lot more playing time under Hinman. But at the same time, it was the year that jaded me to paintball. Um, to this, to this day. Actually, not to this day until recently, but mm-hmm. um, midway through 2013. Um, and Marcella, if, if there's anything that you want to say about that season, um, definitely interject. Uh, because to me, thinking back on it, it was you know, like it kind of you look back on paintball tournaments and it's like, yeah, you played on this one, this one, and like the significance. I don't, I mean, that was the first year I played in Europe, so that was pretty cool. Um, but besides that, it was just like the growth of like competing for me of like starting to get the spins and making a name for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, that's what I remember that year mostly for, but I don't know. What, what were your thoughts on 2013? I mean, I, I, I felt that we had a team of a good mix with some experience, you know, Paxson was still on the team, myself, mouse, and a bunch of young, talented, really hungry players. I thought we could have you know, one at all in a, in a couple of years, I truly felt that way. And I remember seeing you, I mean, you were a bright spot, but I remember having multiple conversations with you about finding that balance because we did still need to have a little bit of a game plan and control. And there, there needed to be teamwork in order to win events. You know, um, I, I, I'm sure you remember, we had countless conversations of, you know, yeah, yeah. not always the haymaker, like every now and then you got to throw a little bit of a jab, a little bit of a left hook, a little bit of a right hook, uh, you know, have, have more of that in your arsenal. But for the team, for the collective, man, we had so many weapons. We also, did we pick up little B in 13 or 14? 
Riverside 2013. I remember it was the fourth event. Yeah. Steven Pitts. I mean, dude, we had a team, we had a really good team. And, um, my view of that situation was, um, I was excited and I thought, I thought we could have, you know, and we did get, you know, pretty close two years in a row world cup. We got third place back to back years, you know? Um, so yeah. Yeah. You know, my, my, my views of that team were, were high. My expectations were high too. It was a great, it was a great team. And I remember we got a, a bunch of third and fourths. Same thing with Iron. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with uh, Skinny's Ironman. We always got third and fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, we just never. Well, could that, cra- yeah, you're in can, the fight, you know. Yeah, I just never could get over the hump. And um, mm-hmm. like I was saying, I think the biggest thing for me about 2013, um, and this is where I really, like I said, I became very jaded to paintball. Um, up until that point, when it came to like the arrangement as far as payment, um, you know, I was getting a gun in event. I was fine with it. I was happy with it. And then, um, uh, the end of 2013 after the Riverside tournament. So the fourth event, um, I was approached by a representative at the time. I'm not going to drop names. Um, but a representative die at the time who wanted me to, uh, sign a contract, um, to, you know, continue to playing on the Ironman and get paid. And this was after the tournament. And I remember it, like I needed to throw my uncle money for rent. Um, I needed to pay bills and stuff. And I was, the gun was getting withheld after something I've already earned. And it was a verbal agreement. I went down and, um, was told, Hey, you know, this is a contract. I know it seems scary and all this, but you know, just sign it and get you your gun. And then, you know, it's not a big deal. And I was 22, 23 at the time had no business sense whatsoever didn't know how the world worked it's just like oh i sell these guns i make money cool tight um and at that point i didn't feel like i i had deserved more i was starting to be like you know like maybe you know starting to earn it but not much like i wasn't looking for a huge paycheck um so i signed it the agreement was for like a year and a half so pretty much the end of 2014 was the gun and event but I was locked in and everything was fine printed with my signature. And at the end of 2013, um, I remember there was going to be turnover with the Ironman again. You know, Hinman wasn't going to be a part of the team. Shane was coming in, um, which would be the new incarnation of the Ironman, which I was excited about. But at the same time, there was just something that happened after I signed the contract that I wasn't very thrilled about and then going into the off season of you know because that world cup was heartbreaking right like we were right there and you know the team was changing again and i had gone and played a mppl or uspl whatever the seven man turned into mm-hmm. afterwards um mm-hmm. with houston heat and it was a phenomenal experience you know, I had a jersey made for me. Like I got to, it was me and Toke that went and played for them. But like how we were taken care of and, you know, um, I never met Mama D, but, you know, like Randy and just hanging out with like Ronnie and LJ at the time um, who was on the team. Um, Nick Slowiak who was on the team. It was just fun, man. And I'm like, wow, this is really cool. And um, I was talking with Sarge in the off season um, and was kind of telling him my situation and you know he extended an offer to me um that eclipsed and when i say like 
eclipsed. Like, I mean it like completely just, I would have been able to start like, I would have been able to afford life in California. I wouldn't have been bumming, you know, sleeping on my uncle's couch, um, going from making, you know, six, $7,000 a year or yeah, about that after I would sell the guns and a couple of clinics here and there to 20 plus, you know, overnight. But the issue is, is I signed the contract. So I reached out to um, the representative of that time. It was like, I was completely honest with them. I'm like, look, I just got an offer to play um, for Houston Heat. Um, this will completely change my life. I'll be able to get started. I'll be able to just, you know, get going. I was behind the ball. You know, I never, you know, I never, like I said, after, you know, moving back in with my mom, like I was poor and I was still poor playing pro paintball. It's just, I had a couple thousand dollars here and there, but you know, it would, wasn't anything to build upon. And, uh, I remember like the whole tune changed. They, you know, I, I started to get threatened. Um, I got an email saying basically if I would like to do this, um, I either like there was potential, like I would have to go to court to get out of my contract. I would, um, have to spend like $30,000. I don't remember what the number was, but it was somewhere in between 25 and $30,000 to get out of my contract for five guns a year. And, um, you know, I just, as a kid, I was just like, what the fuck do I do? Like. I don't, I, I was like, I wish I didn't get forced to sign that contract. I wish I wouldn't have signed it, but I didn't have anybody telling me I didn't reach out because I thought if anything ever did come, you could just talk about it, you know? And then and I understand like die is a company. They have their expenses. They have the way that they view things and players are marketing, uh, resources for them to sell their products and to have a successful company. It's just like anything else in the world. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, that's just, that's what it is. But I was disheartened because I, I, I learned real quick how it can be. And I missed out on an opportunity to really change my life. And from that moment on, especially the way that Die had responded, I didn't want to be there. I was like, what the hell am I doing here? Like, these guys don't have my back. And I just, I felt, I got a quick dose of like reality of just when business gets involved in certain things, how things can be. And, um, it was a big learning lesson. So I finished out, you know, the rest of the year on 2014, but, um, with them, but, you know, didn't have an opportunity to, you know, I missed out on something that potentially would have helped advanced, uh, my adult life much quicker. And I'm sure it changed the way that you, you know, the practices, everything was probably a little bit different for that, that portion there. Um, and then, so after the season's over, um, you're out of the contract. What, what did you do next? Well, that would have been after 2014, um, mm-hmm. which it was 2014 was pretty much 2013, but with a, with a new cast, yeah, different dynamic, but still the same potential. We had the royalty kids come in. Um, we lost a few uh-huh. players, but it was still the core, right? Um, Marcelo had referred to Little B earlier, which is Brandon Cornell, for those um, that don't know him as Little B. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, you know, he was... The base uh, dog, right? 
Lil B base Lil god. B base god. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and uh, so basically, uh, Brandon um, was coming into his own. I mean, he was always sick. It was just his body that was kind of holding him back, but he started to really grow because uh-huh. he was like 15, 16. He was super young. Just and his mind just, was. He always way had a running nose. Body. He was like coughing. <laughs> Bro, the, what the funniest thing is we were real, we were roommates uh first tournament riverside and we yeah it was his first time playing a pro event and i remember i'm just chilling there and you know winding down his uh, and stuff and he's like um hey rod uh, can i um can i turn off the tv and i'm like yeah yeah no problem man <laughs> but he dude what what i loved about it he was he was so respectful and just such a like I, I laugh about it and we laugh about it too. We actually spoke about it this last weekend, but how respectful he was of, you know, just he is the epitome of just a good person, right? Like there's like on the field, he plays with integrity. He, he handles himself in such a way, but he is just a good dude. And like his, the future for him is just so bright and painful, but just in life, man, he just, he's like just one of those souls that is just like, un, like untainted. Like he's just a very, very good human being. Little B is one of the best. Yeah, he's one of the best kids that I've ever met. I mean, he's a he's a grown man now. I'm so proud of him, dude. He's it's funny. He's because he was at like the voice you use. I picture him. You know, he was 16 years old. He was he was tiny. You know, he was had not fully developed. And uh, now I think he's actually taller than me, which is funny. But he's yeah. he's a grown man now. But Little B is is truly one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. And genuine, always has been. Um, yeah. but when he's inside those nets, he's not so nice, mm-hmm. you know, he, he, yeah. he really has a dark side that he can tap into and that's why he's such a phenomenal player. Um, mm-hmm. got a lot of time for little B for sure. Yep. So, yeah. So we had those players, um, you know, and Shane's Ironman was interesting. Um, Shane Pistana is w- one of the greatest to do it ever. Uh-huh. Um, just not only for the way he views the field, but more so what he can get out of the player, yeah. you know, what he's able to, um, what he's able to do, um, make you believe in yourself, make you really believe in just what's going on in the moment. Um, but there was moments of that, but then I also feel there was moments of lackadaisicalness with the team as well. And I think, Marcella, you can attest to it to where there was somewhat of, of a divide to where we can never fully get going just because the dynamic seemed at the time partly business, but then partly fun for some of the players. And that was it was interesting because um, we I, I just we were right there on the cusp. And I think if we would have taken it a little bit more seriously at some points, um, worked harder and just didn't have as many people as we had involved at some points. Like I remember there was a rotation at the world cup where it was John, John packs into myself and we were playing a back spot. And, um, you know, you know, this, like when you play every point you get on a roll, even if you play every other point, but when you're splitting, you're putting somebody, where you should be running that person almost every point or every other point and you're splitting three points and that's a heavy gun off the break. You know, I'm not discrediting any of those players, but 
you know, Marcelo, you know the difference of if you play every single point, the rhythm you get to, into, or if you're splitting time as opposed to every third point or something. Sure, and of course. There was just some, I think Shane was catering to a lot of different personalities. And I think when Shane came back, he was wanting to enjoy the experience a lot. You know, I know he was a father and he had been out of the game quite a bit of time, but I feel that we, we could have acted more serious on the team. And that's not to knock um, his coaching ability at all. Um, Cause like I said, he is one of the greatest to do it. It's just that year seemed a little bit more of um, it seemed like some were taking it serious and some were just there to have fun. Um, so that's what I gathered from 2014. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't, I got to push back a little bit on that to be completely honest, but I understand yeah. why you felt that way because you were, you were struggling to find your stride with, with a starting spot on that squad. you were, you were struggling to find your stride with like me, mouse and Steven Pitts and Shane, you know, and, yeah. and, uh, and so I, I understand that to the fullest. John, John was a pretty good player. You know, he, he, he really was. Um, and I remember the conversations back then were more of, and this is why I was always in your corner and in your ear of like, hey, Rod, if you can just reel this part of your game into where we can trust you with certain game plans, there was no doubt that you were going to be on the field every single point. You had all the skill, you had all the potential and the talent, yeah. but you also like to go rogue a little too much. And so it was hard for the team to trust you in certain scenarios, right? Oh, oh for and, sure. And I'm not, and I'm not, compl- I'm not discrediting that because you're 100% right. I'm talking more so like, like the nighttime activities, um, practices with some of the players yeah, and but, things like that but dude you know? that was that was so that was so minimal and honestly to use that as an excuse to me is a big time cop-out because we had a massive core all of the royalty kids myself mouse you b we were all focused and dialed in dude that's we, we weren't we didn't have any extracurricular activities so to me yeah. it's a little bit of a, a of a cop-out of our performance as it's collective that year i truly think it was just a matter of time i don't think we had enough time together i think you give that team one or two more years together and it's an entirely different story um for sure with any of those teams yeah yeah yeah, there would have been longevity i think and right may and that that and i definitely see what what you're saying with that i know i'm i'm just sharing my perspective of what went down yeah but i i do agree which is like if we would have the we would have had the extended time to really get it going, you know? Yeah. And, and you know, one of the, this is something that we always preach as well, whether it legitimately has an effect or not, if one or two players on the team are not fully bought in, it always lends itself to an excuse. It always lends itself to, you know, a divide or, Hey, it's because of this, you know what I mean? So you do have a valid point there. And that is why it's so important for every single person on the team to be, you know, working towards the same collective goal and doing the same things. And, uh, you experience that on impact. I I know it for certain, right. We've experienced it on dynasty Ty, I'm sure you already in your short amount of time with heat experienced that. Um, when you have a group in order to win, you need a group that is from top to bottom focused on the goal and all doing the same thing. So no one feels like they're putting in more work than someone else, but not getting a fair shake or whatever it might be. You want to eliminate all those excuses right away. And I say that to divisional teams all the time, you know, divisional teams that that we coach. It's like, if there's a a cancer on the team that would rather party or not show up to practice, no matter how good he is, they're not, they're not worth it because they are hurting the team. So I definitely agree with you in, in, in that regard as well. I, I absolutely do. Hey, hey Rod, like you I gotta pick, in, yeah. yeah, I got to pick your brain on off the break shooting and like 
there's so many people that want to be good at off the break shooting. You're one of the best in the league at it. What is some advice you could give to people for off the break shooting and how have you honed in on that skill? Um, just get really, I mean, it's going to be very simple how I explain this, but the execution is what's going to matter most, but mm-hmm. you need to you just get so dialed in with your fundamentals and understand the trajectory, understand the timing of the shots and carry that from paintball field to paintball field, like layout to layout, I should say. But, um, it, um, to me, I, it comes naturally, but it's something I've worked really, really, really hard at. And the way I look at it is like, if I can shoot two people, I will. My biggest thing is I want to shoot two people off the break. Um, so shooting multiple lanes and, uh, just working to achieve that. And I think that it's a very, like, I don't, I really don't mind sharing it because I think it's such a simple concept that gets overlooked. Totally. Yeah. I think that, um, (laughs) it surprises me that more players aren't, um, because I feel it's, it's a very simple concept of bringing your gun up quickly, putting it in the spot that it needs to go and then changing it. Like it's really simple like that when you break it down. Um, but it, like I said, it's the execution. It's hours upon hours of practicing and setting up a target, shooting one ball with it. Like when I when I go out and do drills now, like I don't want to waste paint. I don't want to shoot a bunch. So um, I'll put a target, a very small target um, on the other side of the field for a lane that I need to shoot. Um, one ball it. And then once I get that down, then I'll do a burst because I, as, as good as one balling is, I think you need to have control with... Um, the four shots after that. So I'll work my way up mm-hmm. to five because um, a lot of times I'm not sure if you notice, but when you see somebody play their first ball might be on, but then the stream isn't. And then you have to readjust or their first ball isn't on and their stream is. So when you can have control of one ball, uh, three, you know, three burst and a five burst, then I think you're pretty chilling because to get those quick shots, you have to hit somebody within your first five shots anyway. So, Absolutely. I, you just repetition you to, it's it's a lot yeah. of repetition yeah you have to be a robot <laughs> you know strive to be perfect and it sucks because paintball is not consistent enough to be perfect so um you know like yeah. and, and it's a good thing too when you get weird paint that kind of flies all over the place because that's a dynamic that you have to deal with so that you understand how certain trajectories um are uh affected you know, like if it's windy out, if you have a paint, that, you know, that's shooting from 290 to 265, if it curves to the right, if it does this, if it does that, if you break paint, you know, just playing in all those situations and just understanding how to adjust your shot accordingly um, just helps you in the long run. Yeah, there, there is. There's a ton of variables. And roughly we have like 30 to 45 more minutes. We want to get the entire lineage of your story um, yeah. moving up into impact. Uh, so I want to jump into like moving from Ironman into Dynasty and then obviously, you know, how that transpired. All the craziness that happened afterwards. Yeah. 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 You. Let's get into that. <laughs> so Victor Gamboa, 100% yeah. man, is the uh, reason why yeah. I got onto Dynasty in the way that I did. Um, it was the off season in 2014. Uh, I had left the Ironman because um, my contract was up and I had nowhere nowhere planned um and another thing like with my paintball career i haven't been afraid of leaving the sport just because i'm so focused on like music and things outside of it that it's to me it's just like okay if i'm not doing this i'm doing that and i was like well if i 
if I'm, if this is it for paintball, then it gives me more time to just go full on send with this stuff. But, uh, so I quit and then, uh, I had met Victor in 2013 and, you know, we didn't really talk too much. He had flown me out for like a clinic here and there and hadn't really developed a friendship that we have now, but, um, I had talked to him and, you know, just telling him like, here's where I'm at. And, you know, he had a good relationship with Yosh mm-hmm. and I don't know if it was by design or coincidence. I do think it was design knowing Victor, but he flew out Yosh and I to do a clinic in Arizona and I'd never hung out with Yosh before. There was always the mutual respect of when we would play dynasty and everything, but never of like got to know these guys in depth. Um, mm-hmm. So we did a clinic, a two day clinic in Arizona. I got to hang out, have beers and just kind of talk shop. And I explained to him what happened on the Ironman and, you know, he kind of explained what the vibe was like on dynasty and nothing. It was one of those things where I think we both knew, but didn't really say it like, Hey, we should try to make something work, but didn't really plan after that. And then, um, dynasty was having tryouts, um, beginning of that season, um, and this was after you guys had, you know, the awesome success in 2013 and, you know, just yeah. with the new incarnation of dynasty with you and Kyle and, uh, shorty and everybody and, um, came out to tryouts and, um, played well. And, you know, I remember getting the phone call from Alex. I was, uh, at this time I'd moved to West LA with my buddy, um, Tate who, um, moved out for music. He was, um, at a conservatory learning, uh, audio engineering. So I pretty much went from crashing my uncle's couch to crashing his couch. But, you know, like I would throw him money whenever I could. And, you know, we were just hanging out and, you know, we had great times in West LA just living that life. And, um, I remember I was in the apartment, Alex gave me a call and in Alex's awesome fashion, you know, I was like, Hey buddy, just wanted to give you a call and, uh, let you know that, uh, talk with the guys and want you to be a part of the team. And, you know, we're super excited to have you. And, um, you know, I was, you know, he told me the arrangement, you know, I was making a few more guns than I was on Ironman, but fuck, dude, I was on dynasty and it didn't hit me until that moment when he called me, I was like, wait, all right. I hung up with him. <laughs> I remember getting the biggest smile and I'm like, I'm on dynasty. Hell yeah. Like I'm on dynasty, dude. Like, holy yeah. shit. Like what the fuck? Like mm-hmm. it was unreal. Cause it, <laughs> it, things don't hit me until they hit me. Um, so it's just like, this is insane, man. Like you start thinking about just like the lineage, right? And the same thing with the Ironman, you know? Um, but dynasty just hit me in a certain way. I don't know. I don't know what it is. There's just something, there's just something about that team that's going to, like no other team will be able to replicate um the dynamic that dynasty has now um like just with um alex yosh ryan oliver just all the the legendary players that have played on that team the successes um there's just something about the dynasty you know it's not even performance based like take all the wins out of there like that's the huge part but just the story of just the players and just how they redefine the game. And obviously winning is a byproduct of all that. And I think allowed for them to do what they did, but it, it extends beyond that. Like there's just something about 
There's just something about the team. There's there's something magic about Dynasty. I don't know what it is, but I was super stoked it's at the time. It's actually the 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 people people say there's Dynasty magic and it, it could be a real thing. Um, Dude, and, real to, real quick because that's fascinating. When I played on the Russians in 2012, I remember uh, we would play we played Dynasty and Kirill would always say, "Got to watch out for the Dynasty magic." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it's truly a thing. No matter how many points teams are up against them, whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. there was dynasty magic. I mean, year after year after year, they have pulled out magical stuff. Yeah, yeah. and, and yeah. we were and stoked. We have, to- now, all three of us have been part of pulling out dynasty magic. We, you know, yeah. <laughs> now, which is is so cool. Yeah, yeah, no, and what's cool is like from top to bottom. It's especially when the time that I spent on the team, like Tyler, yourself, Marcelo, like we all stepped up in situations that we needed to. Mm-hmm. There wasn't, I don't remember mm-hmm. playing with a player on dynasty that never really held their weight. Right. There wasn't, there was mm-hmm. everybody stepped up at some point, one point or another. Right. Like there was always, yeah, it was, it was the first time of being like, I'm in with this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, someone's going to make it happen. If I don't like something's going to go down. And, um, I feel that some great times, man. I had amazing times, man. And that's, that's where I really learned how to play like the next level paintball. Like that, that took like, Mm -hmm. uh, being on dynasty, super responsible for taking me and understanding the more of the flow of the game, instead of just being the go, go, go to kind of hanging back, communicating and relying, you know, I, I definitely, it's not something, it's something I still work on to this day, but I attribute a lot of the, the roundness and everything to dynasty you know and the players um Mm -hmm. yeah i think that uh anybody who has the chance to play with the organization especially if you're you know new like you will become a different player like like i'm excited to see you know like Urena's future because he's somebody who's always kind of been around but Mm -hmm. not there but he's starting to come into his own and like i think that with his work ethic um and if he continues to be humble like he if he's on the path that if he continues down the path that he's going, he will be one of the greats, I think, one day. Um, but he needs to Yeah, uh, he's such a good guy. Of course. Yeah. But shout that's out to it. Arizona. Another shout Arizona boy. But but I don't know if that happens if he doesn't get on Dynasty. And I think a lot of players, you know, when they have the opportunity to do that, Dynasty can really help hone, you know, the fundamentals and the foundation to be successful wherever they decide to go afterwards, you know. Like yeah. dynasty is responsible for a lot of things, especially in my game. So I can't, you know, can't say thank you enough as far as the grooming that I got on that team and the experience with you guys and what we were able to do. It was the best, dude. Seriously, so many fun times. And uh, you, how many years were you on dynasty? That was th- two and a half. It? Yeah, two and a half. Two and That's a half. Right. Yeah. So from. 2015 well, guys you know maybe maybe one day maybe one day you'll both come back yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna be yeah. that pest there I'm we be go over here being that pest. Yeah. <laughs> but um but yeah uh two and a half years you know won the world cup um that was a huge moment that was incredible that was my first pro win actually and yes. i remember that was just un- surreal and then um obviously 2017 uh, in Vegas, yep. that was, yeah, those, magic. those two, yeah, Dynasty those two magic, magic I, right there. <laughs> yeah, man. And I, um, 
it was funny because after World Cup, I remember that was like a big check mark for me to where it allowed me to, I would still work hard for paintball and at paintball, but I, you know, I was definitely focusing on music more. I was starting to really kind of come into my own as a guitarist. I was playing in different bands, starting to play shows like in 2016. And then it kind of got to the point where I was like playing this balancing act between doing music as a profession and then playing paintball as a profession. And it was this, it was this weird, uh, <laughs> weird dichotomy because uh, the two worlds are completely different <laughs> and the personalities and stuff were completely yeah, different. But they kind of lend to each other. Um, I think a little bit, you know, I can see kind of your music and how it, how it runs into paintball. Um, actually, this is another question from our, yep. our Patreon. Shout out to yeah. Derek. Um, he is wondering, does your background and passion for music translate to paintball? Um, for example, like communication or recognizing patterns and uh, finding the harmony in the chaos? Oh, 100%. Um, music, um, obviously, is um, vibrations oscillating at such a point that it resonates and makes free, you know, it makes a pitch and those pitches are soothing. And then when they harmonize, uh, there's much, there's a lot of dif- dissonance in between everything that creates mm-hmm. harmony, which, um, is exactly like paintball and like the dynamics on teams because Marcelo, you are a particular individual, Tyler, you are, we all come from different walks of life and we all come on and we play paintball and, you know, we try to, uh, try to play uh try to play music out there and you know we all come from different walks of life and are completely different try to play in a some lot of sweet ways. jazz try to play some jazz man you know some of yeah. the greatest harmony is within jazz music but it's also chaotic but once you get, like get the ear and you understand it mm-hmm. you realize how these things kind of intertwine and i would say um as far as like the approach um you know getting ready doing your drills for paintball you have to do your drills for like music you know you have to do your scales you have to get your fundamentals on point because it doesn't matter what you hear up here if you can't print it here same thing with paintball if you uh Mm -hmm. you want to shoot somebody off the break if you want to snap somebody but you can't do it it's the same thing so there's a lot of links between that um as far as like the dynamics um I will say um, paintball is much easier when it comes to working with other people um, just because, yeah, things get emotional and stuff, but it's not usually due to creative differences. Now with music, you run into a thing to where it's it's purely made up and creative. It's like, I hear this in my head. I'm going to put it out here. Does this vibe, right? And like the best types of interactions with people are or like with bandmates and stuff is when you just jam and shut up and things happen naturally. But I was super fortunate early on in my music career that just the people I would be with would vibe. And then as soon as I started, you know, there was a big point where um, a band that I was super heavily invested in, it didn't work out. And after that, it was like scramble ball of like, well, I'm a guitarist. How do I keep doing this? And then started actually working like as a professional professional musician where I'd learn 30 songs in a week to play a gig. And then when I get home from the gig study, play paintball the next day, go to a gig again, study and stuff to where I was just like, this is horrible. This sucks. Like, you know, yeah, I'm playing music and stuff, but you know, you do it in a way that you're doing it for other people instead of yourself. And it becomes much more difficult because, um, music industry is rough. 
like you, <laughs> y'all think of paintball, paintball has its idiosyncrasies, but you start getting into the music world and the personalities and people that you have to deal with and the sharks and just how much things are leveraged against you. And, um, it's, a uh, it's a mess <laughs> and, uh, it's actually brought a lot more appreciation yeah. for paintball, but, um, there are a lot of, to digress a little bit, there are a lot mm-hmm. of similarities between my approach in paintball and music. Yes. No, I love that. And, uh, once how did how did like the aftermath transition come to be from dynasty into aftermath um just for the listeners who who don't know how that all happened so um right before chicago whatever the third event was in um 2017 um i was uh, heading home from a gig uh with my bandmate at the time and we were at a stoplight and got rear-ended really really bad like went to the hospital everything my back Mm. was smoked um didn't know what was gonna happen and i was in bed for i don't know a week and a half two weeks and it was leading up to the chicago event and i'm like i was telling the guys i don't know if i'm gonna be able to play kind of a thing if i do like i don't know how useful i'm gonna be so you guys had gone to Chicago to play Infamous or Florida to play Damage. I don't remember. It was an out-of-state practice, but I was feeling okay enough to go out and practice. And I wanted to get some field time. And um, Aftermath was playing down in uh, Camp Pendleton. So I wasn't able to fly out to practice, mm-hmm. uh, but I drove down to play with Aftermath for the weekend. And um, we were playing the Ironman and just kind of went out got some field time just took it easy on my back and stuff and afterwards um i was approached by mike mesa who was like hey you know like i don't know what's going on with you and dynasty for this event but like if you don't feel 100 like mike would be interested in seeing if you wanted to play with the team and um spoke with mike about it and he pretty much broke it down for me and offered me um let's see i think it was just to play that one-off event, he offered me $5,000 to play with him. Which, you know, I was going from making seven guns a year to basically that's the majority of what I was making. And the way that I looked at it, I was like, man, you know, because again, like I'm in a situation where the majority of my 20s, I'm couch surfing. Like from one place or another. Like I don't, I don't have my own apartment. I can't, you know, really get started on playing, you know, getting my life started. And I'm like, at some point, you know, I made the conscious decision of following my passion. So I knew that there would be some, um, things along the way that, you know, like I'm not in a way selling out and get going corporate, you know, just yet. Like I want to try to make a living off my passions. And the way that I looked at it was, I don't even know, you know, like if I go play with dynasty, like, am I at a point where I can compete? at the highest level and especially with this happening, you know, if I play this one-off event with aftermath and make this money, especially after going to the hospital, I don't know what these bills are going to be like. I don't know if like insurance is going to work out. I was afraid and I'm like, shit, this is an opportunity to where at least I can have some buffer if shit hits the fan. And it's for one event. Mm -hmm. And I did that for Chicago. And um, so that was my reasoning for that. 
and um, obviously it rubbed. You understand why the team was was a one hundred percent. Yeah, you 100- understand why the team was a little upset about that, though, right? I'm one hundred percent because like it's a middle of the season. You're going off, and you know you're pretty much you're breaking up a brotherhood, right? You're breaking up that trust that you have in another individual that you've pretty much rode the trenches with, you know. And I didn't do a good job when I was on the team of being together with you guys, right? Like after practices, I would just go hang out with Nikki and Fran. Like I wouldn't go down to San Diego with you guys, you know. Um, I didn't spend the extracurricular time to really let you guys know who I was, where I come from. And, you know, see who you guys were. I didn't know you that well, you know, and that was, that was my fault. You know, that was solely on me and the decisions that I made. But, you know, at the time I was so busy with like trying to juggle that after paintball practices, like I just needed somewhere to lay my head and not have to deal with people, you know, and that was nothing against the dynasty guys. It's just like, I don't know if you remember, like there'd be tournaments where after we're done at the field. I'd go back in the hotel room and sleep till the next morning. Like when everybody was hanging out, um, just because like I said, my, my life consisted of paintball, like paintball on the weekend. And then at night I'd have to drive back up to LA, do a show, get done at two or three in the morning, drive back down, practice paintball all day, do that again, Saturday night then Sunday. And then, you know, during the week have rehearsals, having to learn material for music like it was it was nonstop. so i you know just due to that you know i i never really got to connect outside um with the team which is you know 100 percent on me it's not on the team you know like that was my decision that i made it's just i never did a good job of letting you guys know exactly where i was at with stuff i, I don't feel like i was the most vulnerable and you know just the way that you guys view it, I 100% understand it. And, you know, especially if I don't let you guys in to what my circumstances are, you, you draw, you know, your own conclusions of like why I might be doing something. And there's a huge, you know, huge thing of trust that was broken, I'm sure. And just like, you know, hurt, you know, it hurt me and I can, you know, I know that you guys were disappointed in my situation and, you know, or not the situation, but, um, my choice. Yeah. I mean, and you're a grown man and you got to do what you got to do. Um, and, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a hard man. It's a juggling act, especially with the lifestyle that you're living. That's a very difficult thing to maneuver, bro. And who are we to tell you anything about your life, you know, and, and what you're going through, but it's, uh, it is definitely a delicate balance there. Um, and then once you got onto aftermath, that, that lasted you played with them for a little while after that right yeah i played with them for seven events so the remainder of 2017 and then 2018 and honestly i have to give a big huge shout out to mike hinman because like i I mean that was my first time ever experiencing like making actual money that i could build for the future you know from yeah and you know we set out to do something but he really he really set the stage and the platform and you know honestly he did not have to do it at all mm-hmm. like he was passionate about something the only return that he got was a pro spot but i mean that doesn't for what he paid me over the years like that trade off it like financially isn't the best investment it's only for you know passion right so he allowed he allowed me to treat it 
even though I was playing semi-pro, is like, okay, this is something that I can make a living off of and still chasing music and stuff. But for the first time, like I was able to actually, you know, start thinking about a future. And it was just coincidentally, it was just, it was funny because, you know, I got into a very serious relationship at the time, a very serious band. Like we were very close to playing like a small stage at Coachella, like, like things were happening. Right. So like in all aspects. So it's like just this weird craziness of, all right, well, (laughs) I'm super busy. I finally have money. Like I can start really thinking about what I want to set myself up for the future and, um, it was a great feeling, you know, mm-hmm. it was a great feeling just being able to finally provide for myself. Right. And be more self-sufficient because yeah. I mean, you know, I growing up, it's like, Oh, pro paintball, Oliver Lang's making a hundred thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Right. I didn't know what other pros were making, but there was like excessive, you know, they were making decent money. And there was always this thought of like, shit, if I do commit to this, like, I can make some money off of it. And then all of a sudden you get to the end of the end of the road where you're about to, you know, enter, you know, this new chapter. And then all of a sudden, no, there's a potential of making it, but this is what you get right now. And then just with how everything happened with Dai and, you know, just, it was this opportunity that I valued and I felt that I had to take at the point, you know, at that point in time. And Mm -hmm. it, it really helped a lot. And, um, yeah, I played with them through the end of 2018. We got the pro, uh, we got the pro spot. And then at the end of, um, I remember in that off season, you know, I was so excited. I was super sold up like, okay, this is going to be a crazy, crazy thing to do, but we're going in the pro league. Finally, like we got the team there. We're going to handle talking with Mike in the off season about who we're going to pick up and just kind of game planning for that. And then all of a sudden, um, at the end of yeah, at the end of the year, or like right as we're kind of going to January and end of December, I think around the holidays, I get a message from uh, Joey Blue. What are you going to do now? And uh, I was like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Bro, just look at the news. Go on PB Nation and aftermath." You know, Mike had his comment about you know, Lee, you know, kind of stepping back from the team and um, you know, letting the team kind of figure out how they wanted to proceed forward and, you know, John coming in coaching and all that stuff and Mm kind of didn't see that coming and kind of left me with like, well, the only reason I was here was for Mike and the arrangement that we had. Um, I, you know, like it was, it was a cool experience playing on Aftermath, but I didn't really have loyalty to the other guys. It was Mm -hmm. just, you know, more loyalty to Mike and with Mike being out of the equation at that point, I was like, well, what's my next move? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when I reached out to, um, reached out to Alex and the dynasty guys. And then also Todd at the time reached out to me, um, through Nikki and Fran about potentially playing with the Ironmen, uh, for 2019. Mm-hmm. So going into that year, it was more of like, okay, Cause I wanted me to sign a two year contract, which I was absolutely 100% not going to do. Yeah. I'm um, sure you really wanted to do that after your, your, uh, last experience, <laughs> you were like chomping at the bit for that one. Absolutely. And I mean, to the, um, in my heart, you know, I wanted to go back to dynasty. Yeah. Like I never wanted, to, you know, I never wanted to leave, but I knew that I needed to leave 
to mm-hmm. improve my situation in life, um, you know, monetarily. Um, obviously, at the time, if money wasn't involved, I would have still been in with Dynasty. Mm-hmm. If I don't go down or Mike doesn't do that offer, who knows where would have been. But mm-hmm. what's up? Sorry, I saw you raise your hand, Marcel. Rod, r- real quick, this is a good time to kind of... Yeah, yeah, no, this is a good time to interject with a question from from the Discord. And I know this is this is something that um, you, you've definitely wanted to clear the air with, and, and I think you're, you're definitely touching on all of it right now. But one of the questions was, what is your response to a specific question? What is your response to your reputation for jumping ship? You know, that is, that's something that people talk about. Yeah. So I, how would you like to address that? I think, well, my response has been silence on public platforms just because there's no way of having a legitimate conversation on a mm-hmm. Instagram thread or any of that. So to me, getting involved with something like that, I'm not trying to push an agenda. So I'm not trying to cause the fire and the havoc of bringing attention to me. Now, obviously, you know, bad press isn't, bad press is always good press if you treat it in the right way, but I never had something I was trying to push. Wasn't trying to push a brand. I wasn't trying to push myself. I wasn't trying to push an agenda. This is me figuring out my personal life. So all the hate, and believe me, I've seen it. I've gotten it sent to me. You know, I'm well aware of what people say about me. But um, mm-hmm. it really, I, is you know, and I'm fortunate that I have people that I can talk to about it and put things into perspective. You know, at the time, Nikki and Fran, I mean, were huge people in my corner that I could rely on and speak with and talk to. And I owe a lot of thanks to them of being able to like help put things into perspective and just have the support from them and, you know, just like the love from them. But, um, honestly, I, as much as it, you know, it's disappointing to see, you never want to see somebody like talk trash on you. Um, it fueled me in ways cause I'm just like, you guys are wrong. Y'all don't know me. And honestly, mm-hmm. like these things that you're saying, Man, you say that to me in real life, it's a different situation. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's it's hard to turn the other cheek, but obviously it's easy to type behind a keyboard. But mm-hmm. some people in this world thrive on chaos. And when there's opportunities for that to happen, they jump on it, you know, like internet trolls, people, what people say behind closed doors, you know, for whatever reason, it's just, that's what happens. And I think I was also extremely busy at the time. So like I didn't have time to dwell on what other people were saying about me because I had so much shit I had to figure out and focus on. Like when I say my life has been crazy this last three or four years, it's been absolutely nuts. Um, mm-hmm. But it's been great. Um, so as far as responding to all that, everybody has a voice. I encourage it to use them or I encourage them to use it. But, um, you know, I would, I would be cautious if it's your intentions to be spreading shit like that, because you don't know if you say that about the wrong person, if it sends them down, mm-hmm. you know, if they're not as mentally strong, like you can really, like I said earlier, you, Miko and Nikki giving me the confidence in order to change my life, you know, really helped me develop the next step for me. Now, these things, if you're saying that to another individual, I mean, you've had celebrities, you've had people commit suicide over the, like one thing of bad press. So the fact that like you find it within your heart to like say these things without knowing where they're coming from, 
and the like mm-hmm. just the ugliness of some of these comments it's just like it's really one uncalled for and two man like i'm no one to judge but you should really be ashamed of yourself if you're going to go that deep to try to talk about somebody's personality and kind of try to bring them down you don't know what they're going through mm-hmm. you don't know what they have to do so well it says a, it says a lot about the individuals who do that kind of stuff too you know um it's it's when you're able to um just kind of navigate without putting others down i I think that that's always the move right um like your mama told you if you don't have nothing good to say just don't say it at all you know let's just try to try to be decent uh people but um it's it's unfortunate that we live in a paradigm that 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 kind of stuff is accepted and and almost like rallied with too it's like it's it's kind of sick but um there's a lot of there's a lot of people that that uh you know get off on that kind of stuff which is really weird and you know what the thing is i think the majority of them to a point are somewhat joking right and that's the weird mm-hmm. part like you know like ryan the other day you know mm-hmm. he i've gotten video clips sent to me from you know when he's done interviews in like the spick and span show you know and if i didn't know ryan you know i would maybe there's part of him that's being serious but ultimately he's probably joking at the end of the day just you know for engagement and just you know entertainment um but what he said you know like last week dude that that really rubbed me the wrong way and it's like you you continually trash on somebody and you try to you know shit on their personality or like what they do and who they are it doesn't matter if like you know at some point a joke you know it gets old right Mm -hmm. so at some point, you know, I understand entertainment. I understand trying to get your, you know, just viewers, you know, doing your thing. But like, I feel like there's ways you can do it without, you know, shitting on somebody constantly, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and I, I could, you know, I could use this platform and really speak in my mind on how I feel about, you know, Ryan and stuff or like people that I've seen com- make comments or um, people behind closed doors that I know have made comments about me that act completely different to my face. but. There's no reason to, because at the end of the day, I don't know why they're making those comments. Mm -hmm. So I don't need to defame them in any way or do anything, but, um, take the high road. Yeah. Yeah. I I just choose not to get caught up with that. And, um, I'm fortunate that I'm really too busy to let that stuff get under my skin too much, you know? Yeah. So I have a lot that I need to focus on. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's something we really try to push here, dude. We want the community to be building each other up. That's what the show was was founded on. That's what we're here to do is we want everybody to be boosting each other. It's a small community. You know, we want everyone to be able to thrive. And um, honestly, that's the way forward. It truly is. You know, we don't we don't need to be tearing each other down. You know, um, we could disagree with each other and disagree with certain decisions and, and conversations and things like that. That's natural. That's normal. That's human interaction. It's going to happen. Not everybody's going to always please you and do things that you would do or, or that you would like, but at the end of the day, we'll bring it full circle with the, at the end of the day thing. Um, (laughs) we need to have each other's backs, man. You know, we're, we're all Mm -hmm. professional paintball players. And when you, when you go outside and we're all paintball players, when you go outside to the non paintball world, 
we are a group. They look at us as a collective. And so we want to boost that in the best possible light. That's that's the only thing. That's the only way forward. That's the only way that we're going to get. Um, you know, you look at skateboarding. Skateboarding had a culture. People looked at the skateboarding culture and they wanted to be that. We don't want people to look at the paintball culture and say, that looks disruptive and shitty and, and lame. You know, that doesn't look fun. We want yeah. to be boosting each other and promoting each other and, and be shedding the positivity and, and expressing. Because there's something unique about paintball players, too, that I feel a lot of paintball players really do a great job of. of they have almost this... Uh, this personality of trying to always find the bright spots and, and looking at things in a positive light. And maybe it's because of, of some of the things that we endure going to paintball tournaments, whether it's the <laughs> conditions or sharing a hotel room with four buddies, you know, or, you know, um, struggling to pay your paint bill, like all, all these things that have definitely brought us closer and made us um, have a little more grit, a little more, you know, uh, of a positive outlook. Those are the kind of things we need to be boosting consistently, you know, nonstop over and over. And mm-hmm. uh, we'll say it till we're blue in the face. You know, that's what, that's what play the game is about. Yeah, yeah, baby. I love that. Hey, Rod, I got, I got a question from Steve from our, our Patreon supporter, uh, yeah. part of the PTG team. Steve is actually the man. He, Steve's he like, dope, dude. <laughs> he runs yeah. our discord. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Shout he out to was the yeah, exactly. If you could change one thing, one rule in the NXL, what would it be? Um, and if you could pick one mainstream brand to sponsor and support Paintball, what would that be? So one thing that I would change in the uh, NXL? Yeah. Um, might be in an unpop- unpopular opinion, but I would cut the teams down to 12 to 16. Um, I'd go back to single deck format um really improve the uh, sure. the uh the like analysis in between games um uh bring post-production live like bring you know merge that um into it and it's nothing against the um the lower teams but i think in order for our sport to grow you need to have you need to have the best of the best playing and right now it's just on that center stage with three days, like if you were to have the tournament be from Wednesday to Sunday, then yeah, we might be able to do it. But right now that we're only playing Friday through Sunday time is, you know, 72 hours is a lot or not a lot of time to um, mm-hmm. be able to uh, really tell the story and broadcast a story. That's super important, you know? And uh, I think that if you go back to, you're just able to get more things across, um, with less teams involved in the current state of um, the game. So that's one thing I would change about the NXL. And then uh, I would add now I, they've definitely not really made as strong as of a push um, of late for whatever reason. Um, I actually have a buddy who's pretty tight with them that was kind of explaining some of their infrastructure, but I feel from like 2017 to end of 2019, um, even now to a point, but Red Bull, I think would be fantastic for, um, our sport because of what they do with media outside of it, but what they've done with other, uh, extreme sports, what they've done with, um, especially music, like their production, like they have Red Bull studios and they have these really, really great infrastructures that I think they do a great job of being a medium to kind of connect, um, storylines and just viewability. And making looking something like making something like dope 
right? Like that's one thing Cassidy did a great job of is mm-hmm. he made paintball look dope. Quitsky yeah. does a great job. We have some phenomenal, mm-hmm. phenomenal media presence within paintball. But the issue is, is we don't have the audience. Um, mm-hmm. We have a very niche audience. So I, I feel that someone like a Red Bull that isn't manufacturing, they're not trying to really get involved with paintball. They're just trying to highlight and, you know, show the lifestyle and, you know, the segments that they do. I think that would be an amazing uh, company to come into paintball to help support and grow without kind of stepping on the toes of people, of uh, companies that have been established um, yeah. in paintball for years and years. Because I think that's one of the big um, things that's kind of holding, not holding us back, but I feel that as much as we want growth, it's going to break the establishment that we have now. Mm-hmm. And um, when that happens, change will be forced upon a lot of people. I mean, we probably won't see it in our careers because, you know, we definitely will be playing for a while longer. But, you know, as soon as the mainstream catches wind and you have athletes and people that are wanting to really compete at this and when it becomes to something that's super um, viable to treat as a living, you're going to get a much higher caliber of play and also support and also just um, evolution within the game. And what I think draws a lot of the people into the game right now is um, accessibility. You don't need to be an athlete to even play at the professional level. Like, mm-hmm. like, and I, when I when I say athlete, I mean an athlete, like a mouse or like um, a professional football, baseball player. You know, when you start getting extremely, you don't need to run a four four and lift no, three hundred and fifty pounds. Exactly, mm-hmm. which is a great. The gun is the equalizer, but imagine, you know, there is, and we're starting to come into it. Um, there is a way to get into paintball shape. There's things that you need to be strong mm-hmm. at, and once that becomes refined, once that becomes the the meta, once you start having everybody abide by it, and if it gets to this super blown out proportion where it's like after school programs and um, things that other sports have, the competition level is going to rise tremendously to where I feel that the incarnation of the game that we have right now will um, fortunately and somewhat, you know, unfortunately be completely shattered and, you know, something new will grow out of it. But, um, you know, just with all change, you know, some things are left behind and some things go forward, but that's, uh, I feel that's the route that hopefully happens because that means that people like you and I, like us, you know, 20 years or who knows, however long it will be, will mm-hmm. not have to worry about, you know, leaving teams in that kind of sense. But I mean, that'll always happen. You know, that's just sports in general, you know, opportunities and legacies to be built that's just all a part of the game, but at least imagine D4 kid or somebody just playing is like, mom, if I go, you know, if I really do this, like I can make $50,000 my rookie year. Like, you know, if you're in the NX, you know, if you're in the NFL, you know, if you're in totally professional baseball, like it makes sense. Like, honestly, my whole, you know, your minimum. Yeah. Yeah. My whole life on paper, man, I made some dumb decisions. If you look at it just like from setting myself up for my adult life and just, you know, doing that, but I chose not to live my life in that way. Right. Mm -hmm. So those are my decisions that I made, but I think, um, in the future, if there's a minimum, you can justify, you know, making sacrifices 
whether it be education, friendships and all that to really do this. You know, right now, paintball is a passion project for 95% of the world, maybe even higher. You know, I'm fortunate that I'm finally in maybe a 1%. I'm extremely fortunate. So um, it didn't come without sacrifice, but it would be, it would be amazing if like what I make was, you know, a threshold for everybody. Mm-hmm. No, fuck. It'd be it'd be really rad, but for that to get there, there needs to be change. Um, the infrastructure really needs to get shaken up, and we're we're improving. But I think in order to view the game in that way, we wouldn't. It will be completely different than what we see it as now. But that's just my two cents. Yeah. No, I think you're absolutely right, dude. Um, and. Uh, another one of our supporters, Chris, was wondering the type of training that you do to make the crazy moves you do. And we kind of hit on that earlier. Um, it's, you know, it's drills. You you actually run through these drills. And, and like you said, you spent days after days of just saying, okay, I'm just going to run through every point, um, which which definitely leads to having that skill set start to be nurtured there. So for that question, Chris, um, it's just running through it, I'm sure. Yeah. And uh, going to the gym is super important. I started adopting that when I got on Dynasty, um, late Ironman, but Dynasty, and then um, had some weight fluctuations just due to, you know, just internal things and all that stuff, like 2018, 2019. But um, mm-hmm. 2020, getting back on the Ironman and the arrangement that I had allowed me to solely focus on being um, a paintball athlete. And um, man, I was on a run until uh, COVID happened. And then uh, all the gyms closed down in California. and got other things happened and kind of yeah. had some dark times during uh, the quarantine. But, uh, you know, moving back to Arizona, like, you know, the arrangement that I have with impact allows me to justify, um, spending time on focusing on my physical, uh, athleticness. And I haven't even begun to tap, I think into my potential all around. Um, I'm boxing now, um, playing basketball, doing cross training with that. Um, I'm kind of straying away from like doing squats and like compound lifting to doing more, um, just, um, you know, plyometric training and functional just exp- stuff, functional, mm-hmm. functional things. And, um, I'm really excited because bar for whatever reason, like before the first event, I had a weird injury. And then, you know, this event, I was in bed for like two and a half weeks leading up to this last practice, uh, actually working out, messed up my back and had to deal with that. But man, um, I'm excited. I'm excited to keep elevating my game. I think there's a lot of things that I haven't tapped into to make myself around like a fully rounded player. And I'm striving towards that. And I think that through this season and next season, um, the the approach that I'm taking, I'm going to really elevate my game in different ways, just through physical, you know, applications, which I'm excited about. Yeah. But just time. But I mean, you guys know, you guys are fucking, you guys are athletic. You guys work hard. You're in the gym, you're training. And I mean, that's what it's about. Like, you know, functional training is the best. Like, I don't really think you need to squat eight plates in order to be a dope paintball player but mm-hmm. you know just being well-rounded foundation with yeah. the legs explosive really strong core upper body being able to hold your gun up for minutes at a time um flexibleness because once what i'm realizing is you know the more athletic you become the quicker that you become the more impact that you take from doing these things that you weren't able to do before so injuries are a lot more prevalent 
So you really need to take the time for recovery and stretching and dealing with those issues. Mm-hmm. Right on, brother. Damn. Rod, we just hit over three hours, brother. Shit. Yeah, baby. There's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of information, a lot of nuggets in that one. Um, mm-hmm. You've had a hell of a journey, dude. You really have. And, uh, you know, for the listeners, like, seeing you the last couple of events, even with the Ironman in 2020, the way you have already transformed your body into being uh, the the type of paintball player you are should be inspiring to a lot of people. Um, that was, you know, what I was referring to in the beginning. It's, it's possible. And I think it's allowed you to do great things on the field. You were always a really good player, but I definitely think your, your ability to move around and, and take the moves a little quicker, the moves that you see um, has definitely transcended your game. So seeing you take that athletic ability to another level is going to be, be fun to watch. However, if you want it on the basketball court, guarantee you, uh, you can come get it anytime you want play some (laughs) one-on-one with a little, little three point, uh, shootout. It'll be a good time. Oh bro. It's not even a, like I would at this point where I'm at, I'd learn from you. So I'd be the student. I'm not even, I ain't even tripping on that, man. I just want to learn like, it's a fun game. It's, it's a, a fun it's, game. It's an amazing game, dude. I never gave it its due. Like growing up, like mm-hmm. just, um, dude, it's the, it's the shit. You know, you know who's inspiring me is Kyrie Irving, dude. His handling ability is ridiculous, man. Like, could you imagine? I mean, could you imagine those type of handles? Like, yeah, Steph. Like developing those handles and like footwork, applying it over to paintball in certain ways of just like moves and just man, mm-hmm. my mind's working. Dude, so. you could toss your gun back and forth. Like shoot people with one hand, toss the gun back, <laughs> shoot it with it. <laughs> Here's some nerdy stuff for you. So any gun developers out there, um, I'm going to talk to Planet Eclipse about it, but I don't know. We're at the point where I think everybody needs to push the envelope. So I ain't worried yeah. about it. Nice. But can you imagine? So I do a lot of drum programming. So a lot of like finger drumming on like what are called uh, drum controllers. And it's all MIDI messages. So a lot of jargon. But basically what it is, is velocity sensitive pads that you strike and, you know, you can get different velocities. Like if you were to hit a hi-hat, pluck a guitar string, um, you know, you get different rates of velocity and volume. Could you imagine if um, paintball guns were developed to where you had a threshold, you know, 300 feet per second, 295, whatever, but then you had an application to where you touched, you know, like a, a sensor, like a pad or a sensor, and how, however much weight you placed upon it had a threshold of like 15 balls per second to where when you press that in, you could get drop shots to where you're mm. shooting 290, you put pressure on this and it drops down to like 270. You know, so that way you can get more innovative with your shooting off the break, you know, shooting cross field, stuff like that. Because um, I, I haven't. That'd be sick. That'd be dope. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I think we're, it's 2021. I think that the resources are available and it's really not, it's um, obviously the engineering of it will be difficult, but like the technology is there. And I think we need to keep thinking of ways to keep expanding and improving like, um, you know, the equipment that we use. Mm-hmm. to where it's more functional and allows us to develop the game like could you imagine if you were playing a team and they had these things to where it's like you know like some layouts it's really hard to shoot a corner it's really hard to do this it's hard to do that but then you know you can adjust it on the fly to where you're off the break shot would drop and then when you're back into it you're back into it so you have complete control to where you don't go over a certain feet per second but you know you can play within a um parameter of let's yeah. say thir- 30 feet per second but 
Dude, that's yeah, amazing. I love that idea. That's spoken like a true artist. You're crafting and always molding and uh, and really just, you know, applying yourself to thinking about how we can push the game forward and and be super creative with the shot, which is really cool. I like that. That would be cool. There's yeah. man. Yeah. That, that's that amazing. Cool. Shit, I didn't yeah, I got carried away. It's three hours. No, this man. is perfect, bro. This is this is what we want right here. This is all the juice. This is your entire story and um, your lineage of how hard you've worked to to be where you're at on Edmonton Impact. You know, you guys just won the last event, and uh, it's been amazing to watch your journey. And I know you're just getting started, so it's spectacular, dude. And we we appreciate every second that you've given us here, man. No, I. I... I definitely appreciate you allowing me to be on this platform. Wish there was more time to go into the uh, the Ironman and Impact, but it might be uh, safer another day. We'll have to, yeah, we'll have to be- have you back on and and keep uh, shooting more paintball talk for sure. Absolutely, dude. I'm yeah. I'm happy that uh, you guys allowed me to be a guest on your show. So, dude, the, the honor is all ours, brother. We can't wait to see you in a little, uh, like over a week. We'll be out there in Philly. Sweating yeah. our balls off. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, dude. Because there's still there. There's honestly still so many questions. The the whole Ironman uh, story was was really cool. You going and and leading those guys to uh, actually Go Sports was just out uh, filming our practice, and uh, Miko uh, was doing an interview with me, and he asked about you know what I thought of your guys' win in 2020, and was a surprise and all this and. Of course, everyone's initial reaction is, yeah, that was a huge surprise. It shocked everybody. But then I said, you know, but in hindsight, it actually wasn't because if you break down the work that they had put in for that event, you know, and that's always been something you've been really good at is as soon as the layout drops, you're like glued to diving in. You put the music aside for a little bit, you dive into the layout, you work on all the shots. And I think you had the whole Ironman team um, really on the same page there. And then obviously going over to Impact, there's there's so many stories there as well. So dude, we're, we're going to have to have you back on the show. Absolutely, dude. Both those teams. I mean, Impact, this is the great, like, this is such a great team. Like my, like I could, man, I could speak. I've only been on the team for such a short amount of time, but I could speak volumes of just everything. And, you know, the Ironman team and the infrastructure, that was such an amazing experience. And like the guys on that team, bro, like, man, sometimes you just got to be there. And I hope that when I do go into depth about it, I'm able to articulate what it was like, you know, in that experience. So, um, yeah, just, you put on a show out there, dude, on that, (laughs) you know, at Vegas, that was a pretty spectacular performance. And Thank I you, know man. that, you know, a large amount of people tuning in have seen um, that tournament. If you haven't, I'm sure you can find it on YouTube, um, the 2020 Ironman Championship that they pulled off out there with Alex. And then, you know, kind of shocked the world and and uh, you went into, well, it was a crazy time, right? I mean, with COVID, yeah. everything that happened, and then um, we're able to make the transition onto impact and it's been uh, it's been bright for you, and the future is bright for you. So we're super excited to watch your story continue to unfold into the future here, dude. I can't appreciate the words more, man. Thank you so much, and just yeah. know with the Ironman thing, that was definitely not all me. And honestly, like mm-hmm. when I think back on my performance, I've people stepped up. Like we just had yeah, this. For we, sure. we had a sick, absolutely. We had a sick team, and I'm not able to do what I'm able to do without the su- supporting cast, you know. And yeah, everybody gets to those moments just through a collective and um you know i wish that um i wish that my story doesn't need to be so colorful and crazy and 
misunderstood mm-hmm. and you know i i wish it was simpler than that but life's not simple and you know mm-hmm. um i'm just happy to be able to articulate it from my point of view doesn't necessarily mean it's right or wrong it's just from me so if you know definitely yeah. um not trying to win people over just kind of explain myself and i've been extremely fortunate to do what i do and be around the people and the people that have had my corner and you know just moving forward i think the future is bright for every one of us you know if we choose it to be that way excited man it's going to be um (laughs) bar any uh shenanigans happening in the world man i think we're off to a really good start after a very interesting um interesting year 2020 yeah. dude it's gonna be the roaring 20s baby all over again let's go <laughs> roaring 20s we're, we're bringing it out things are looking up things are brightening up things are opening up let's yeah. uh let's do it man to the moon crypto to, to the, the moon. moon man let's all become <laughs> millionaires let's do it <laughs> let's go <laughs> i love so. it this is not financial advice. Yeah, this is not, right, everybody. not at all. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you guys so much for tuning in, Rod. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, excellent episode, man. It was a lot of fun. Thank Thanks, you. Rod. To all the listeners out there. Thank we'll you see guys. you soon. Later. Peace. Right on. Later, Rod. And just like that, another episode is in the books. That was episode number 90. My goodness. To all the PTG listeners, I say it every single time. Thank you guys so much from the bottom of my heart. We are so thankful for your guys' support. We truly, truly appreciate it and um, just want you guys to know that we're going to continue bringing you guys the best paintball content out there. We are going to continue to just dominate the scene and bring you guys whatever players and and, uh, outside people we can get our hands on. We're having a ton of fun with it. We love doing this and we are really enjoying the process. You guys are building an amazing community. All the supporters, if you guys have gotten involved with our Discord It is really cool what's going on in there. We're very stoked and very thankful for all the supporters and really enjoy seeing you guys build um, a play the game community. We want this this sport to continue to evolve and and we truly love what's going on with the PTG stuff. So thank you guys so much. If you guys are wondering what we're talking about, you can head over to ptgpaintball.com, click the Patreon link and check it out. Our website is brought to you by Rusty Glaze over at Concept Pursuit. If you guys need a website done, Rusty is your guy. He is phenomenal at what he does. He makes it very easy for you if you want to. Um, you can either have him manage the website or if you want to learn how to take care of the website on your own. Fascinating stuff. So, Concept Pursuit, Rusty Glaze, ptgpaintball.com. And uh, again, as always, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you in another episode extremely soon.